0: Hey everybody, welcome to Idiotalk, a Radiohead podcast. I am Walker Glenn. I'm Zach Glenn. We're very, very happy to be back. Uh, Last week we covered the background, conception, and kind of just the cultural milieu that was going on during the release of Radiohead's seventh album, In Rainbows. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't listen to that, make sure you go back because the Background of the album is as interesting as the album itself, in my opinion. And that was a really fun conversation. But sooner or later, we got to get into the music, right? Yeah,
1: a painful slog of a conversation mirroring the arc of the band. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like you know, it was all shite. But it wasn't. Yeah. It started <laughs> off slow and
0: frustrating, and then we brought in we brought in a producer we hadn't worked with before, <laughs> yeah. and that proved fruitless. So eventually, we brought back. Um, my dog Lila, who has been present with us at all the <laughs> recordings so far, and things just gelled from there. She really got us back. She wasn't on afraid task. to
1: tell us, hey boys. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, stop podcasting and feed me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um But yeah, so I think we're gonna just get right into the tunes. What do you say, Zach? Uh
1: I'm I'm so excited too. Let's do
0: it. So we talked about that Nigel came and got these guys on track, and once the session started in earnest, Radiohead really did hit their stride with these sessions. Um, One quote that I did not discuss with you last time, Zach, is Nigel said they knew they had great songs with this one. Nice. And so I think that it was a process of really teasing out that material and letting it live up to its full potential. Mm -hmm. I, I do get the sense the band was a little gun shy about rushing anything after hail to the thief. Yeah. And so I think that they really underwent the process of kind of chiseling away at every song that they had that they thought were great songs. They felt really good about the material, but they wanted to kind of, you know, chip away every part that was not the David, so to speak
1: yeah absolutely and uh just kind of talking uh i don't want to get in the tracks but one thing uh, a quote from the handsome man is uh i never felt we were one of the great bands uh up there with the smiths or rem you know ed o'brien confessed to mojo in 2008 so this is after the release of the album but only shortly yeah. th- thereafter in my view we've made three really great records we've made three really great records yeah, he says interesting the ben's okay computer and kid a what we needed was another great record just to seal it. Now, Ed O'Brien is a member of this band, Radiohead. Yeah, technically. I Yes, I know. But the fact that he puts the bends over Amnesiac is um, amazing.
0: Yeah, that uh, I, he's really kind of showing us why he maybe has a somewhat diminished role in these processes.
1: <laughs> Although, we talked a lot about the Scotch Mist, and uh, I did not kind of come up with the Ed O'Brien joke, which I have realized is in wide use beyond Walker and I, but I think that we've really refined it.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes, and not everybody likes how much we make fun no, of Ed. Not at all. Least of all Ed, if he ever hears this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But, um, I guess we've really shot ourselves in the foot in terms of like getting members of Radiohead on here as guests. Yeah. Shot which ourselves I'm sure would have the... happened
1: if we weren't <laughs> yeah. making fun of Ed. Shot ourselves in the head. Um, oh. But <laughs> but I, I didn't really realize that because I will say, and we'll talk about it as we go through the tracks, um, on the Scotch Mist footage, Ed really does seem to be doing quite a lot. And I know you mentioned that in our interview with Brad as well. So that was- I
0: agree. The Scotch Mist uh, sessions, uh, which is... Uh, a a webcast Radiohead did shortly after the release of the album where they played all the tracks live in the studio. Mm -hmm. You really, really do get to see uh, what in what was the first time for me, you know, what everyone is doing. And as much as we give Ed a hard time there, there really is not a pair of idle hands in Radiohead because um, we'll talk about it as we listen to the tracks, but this is, I would say what this has in common Mm -hmm with hail to the thief is this is a somewhat live sounding album. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not, I I think it's, it's much more restrained and careful, but it is when you see them playing these songs in the studio, you do get a sense of like, they are able to replicate these songs as they appear on the record. Sure. And, uh, uh, the other thing I would say about Ed is in the last episode, we talked somewhat about Tom's diary entries that they were doing under during the sessions for In Rainbows. Mm-hmm. And Ed had done that for Kid A. Yeah. He had kept an online diary, letting fans know what the band was up to. Do you think it's a little sad that this role was taken away from Ed? <laughs> like, like I, I kind of think that's slightly cruel of Tom of just like all take over, mate.
1: <laughs> well, Ed was focused on adding his textures, and I don't know how good at multitasking he is. So. There you go.
0: Yeah, Tom. And, he had and, a lot of time on his hands during kidding. Yeah, he
1: did. <laughs> pertinent to the discussion, and as we have also talked about again and uh, throughout the show, but really in our interview with Brad Osborne, is Tom for all his talent. I mean, if I had to sum it up, multitasking. My God, is it apparent in the Scotch Miss versions and on particular songs. He is just rocking on the guitar, at the keys, at the drums in some of them um, on a particular song. And and his voice has never sounded better. But I don't want to bleed in. But just, my goodness, was he busy. So we have discussed uh, something that
0: a quote Zach has really enjoyed uh, of mine, if I can toot my own horn, (laughs) is that... Damn, do these motherfuckers know how to open an album. Each album, including Pablo Honey, has started with yeah. a real bang. I don't think there has been an album opener that isn't a song that we both love. Or, sorry. I don't believe that there has been any Radiohead album that has opened with a song that both of us don't love yeah. up to this point. Can they keep the streak going? We've obviously hyped up that we both love this record a lot. So, without further ado, we will start off in Rainbows with 15 Step. Maybe the first Radiohead song that has a numerical value in it.
1: Well, no, two plus two equal five.
0: Yeah, not the. F- so, the second album in a row that starts with a, a number song. <laughs> we know this is a math band, they talk in maths. <laughs> and a uh, past guest, Sean Perrin, has done math homework to this band, right? So. <laughs> Uh, so fans, get out your arithmetic books because this is Radiohead, fifteen step.
1: Never made it as a
2: wise man. I couldn't cut it as a <laughs> to live like a blind man.
0: Tom's voice sounding a little and different.
1: And is, jo- uh, is that a Johnny texture or Phil? That sounds a little busy for. for I think a, that's it. Then
0: obviously <laughs> Phil coming in, making a big entrance. There. This is how you remind me of what
1: I really... Where do they hail from, Walker? Like said, sorry. And
0: also, this is interesting, too, <laughs> that Radiohead hitting you with a big chorus in the first 30 seconds of a song. <laughs> I know
1: we talked about on the forum. The- <laughs> yeah. Oh, that break. <laughs> I kind of just listen to this This is not <laughs> that bad. No, it's not. <laughs>
0: um, Zach said this album has no choruses, but... This song has three (laughs) choruses so far. Does this song have a bridge?
1: Why? No, it's just uh, everything kind of stalled.
0: You know what? Honestly, uh, no disrespect to our neighbors to the north, but I don't think Canadian songs have bridges. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, did I get you again? Yeah, I was so
1: focused on uh, everything else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, listeners, that was not listeners. Did we get you again? (laughs) That was that was Nickelback, uh, an album that it has been exposed that I not only own but specifically requested for Christmas, along with a studded three row studded belt.
1: However, I do want to point out, listeners, one of the things Walker blew my mind with as a teen, as an objection to that album, probably around the time it became uncool to like Nickelback. So maybe a year after the album came out, there's no
0: way I was on the cutting edge of of thinking Nickelback were bad.
1: But I remember you saying one thing I hate when bands do with their eponymous album. I don't know if he said eponymous. Um, does eponymous mean debut? It means self-titled. Okay. Well then it doesn't, he did not say eponymous, but with, I also uh, didn't know that word with, with, with an album is when they relate the album title to their band name. So their that debut album is silver side up, uh, Nickelback. Yeah. And it's like, I totally agree. I think that's a really good object. Like, uh, Gish was the Smashing Pumpkins debut album. It wasn't called Pumpkin Seeds Are Everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Is it a fruit or a vegetable? Yeah. Halloween time again. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I know. I went, what else could Nickelback call their album? Like Loose Change,
1: (laughs) Loonies and Toonies, Loonies and Toonies, Uh, (laughs) Flip a Coin. What I'm else sure they is have there? An album name newly minted? Yeah, good. Not as good as it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Precious metals. <laughs> yeah. They're running out of it by That's that not time. That's a bad album name, actually. Oh, I think it
1: is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All well, right.
0: you know what? You can use that for your <laughs> debut album, for your eponymous album. Uh, listeners, we've had a lot of fun. I'm going to play the real. Radiohead now. Those were but pale imitators. Uh, Canada is a uh, commonwealth of England, and Mm -hmm. so the bands are a commonwealth of Radiohead there. (laughs) Um, This is 15 Step, the opening track of In Rainbows by Radiohead.
1: Now, can I start talking? Please. I am interested to hear if you know anything about... The manipulation of the percussion, essentially, how they're doing that. Do you do you have any idea? No. Are you saying that because you do? No. I, take, I, take, I, take
0: take take I, it over.
1: I well, I don't. But I just I know that like with uh, maybe Morning Bell. I might be wrong. The songs that are percussively driven in an unconventional. Well, I might be wrong. Is in a a tolerable time signature, but Morning Bell. Um, It it may be debatable if that is an acoustic drum, but you can hear the acoustic coming in right here with that snare hit. And it's really fun to watch them play the song live because Phil does essentially keep it on track the same way, but it clearly sounds like a little bit of a digital manipulation to open the song.
0: Yeah, I think that Johnny Greenwood is playing the drum machine, uh, sequencing the beat, and then, yeah, Phil kicks in after that first measure.
1: And we, t- I mean, we've—I can't even hold back the Nigel of it all, and 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 who knows who does what to this level of granularity. But the way they have that acoustic drum set bleeding in and merging, I can't even tell. Like, I guess I can, but the way they're just so seamlessly running together is so good.
0: And I'm turning it up a little because Colin kicks in with such ferocity there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you talked a lot about. Uh, Colin's mix maybe not being quite to our liking on Hill of the Thief, I really agreed with that. Uh, Colin just... Everybody is just so on fire in this album from the get-go, but, but Colin's playing is just so goddamn good. Zach, I have to tell you something. Mm. This
0: is my favorite Colin song really since Airbag. Oh, okay. And I think my favorite Colin Greenwood bass playing Of all of Radiohead's catalog, it's superb. And there's a particular part in the end. And then bass. Oh no, he. No, yeah, no bass here. So then, and then here it is. Listen to this. Listen. Oh. And then back out. Right, and like the bass. I love that addition. not very Radiohead, but so perfect. Yeah, there's also a sound that almost is a little record scratchy. Mm-hmm. Right there, right? I think we heard it. Uh, it it's it's yeah. in the verses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a feeling that it's probably Ed doing some sort of like dry strum effect. Yeah. But check this out. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool because what Colin is playing here completely changes the character of the song from sounding like a major key to a minor key. Yes. Probably does actually do that. Do you know anything about that? Uh,
1: You know, it's been a while since I've watched uh, an analysis of the song, but I think uh, the the crescendo of the song and what Tom does vocally is my favorite. We might have to pause. Uh, to me, he sounds like he's building up to a pissed, cut the strip, but he kind of lets it level out. How Radiohead yeah. is that? But you're expecting this big pop. Um, I just know, though, that like you could maybe in the most simplistic terms describe this song as a little bit of kind of octave chords, okay. which are your root and the, uh, right? So it's just like, um, but then as the playing becomes more melodic, it does uh, lean towards the minor key, which is really cool, which allows Tom a lot of latitude in his vocals. Yeah. Right?
0: Well, you really hear it with that last verse yes. when he repeats the first verse, and his melody is completely unchanged, mm-hmm. but now it sounds incredibly sinister, and it's because of that keyboard, the yeah. eh, behind it, and the do 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 So this is like like Airbag. To me, Colin cutting in and out with his bass melodies in this song, it gives it that Radiohead playing electronica music yes. with live instruments yeah. feel, where it's it sounds like he's being sampled and that somebody's sitting at a control board going, oh, I'm going to drop the bass back in. Yes, oh, I'm going to k- take take it out again. You know, it's really really restrained. And then when the big moment of that song is when the bass guitar kicks in. And how many songs can you say that about mm-hmm. with a rock band where the most melodic. And standout part, to me anyway, is the bass line kicking in. Maybe um, And it doesn't steal focus from no. what else is happening, but that's when the drop happens, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe a song to me would be O'Darlin' oh, by the Beatles. Uh, in, okay. And, you know, O'Darlin' oh, was was mixed in and recorded in 68, uh, 69. Mm. Um, but uh, I have compared um, uh, Colin Greenwood to Paul McCartney and John Paul Jones. Obviously, those are very independent. But they, they do represent... Sort of uh, the most melodic bass playing that I can think of, certainly in that era, and and uh, listeners, you know, I've disclosed or you can tell that I just worship Paul McCartney, but I just think an aspect of him as a musician that is, it's not easy to forget or is undersung, but he wasn't just a good bass player, and in the song "Oh, darlin, the bass is is mirroring the vocals in a way but has a lot more going on to it have you ever tripped out to that bass line at all yeah and and the only way that it reminds me of the song a little bit is that colin's bass playing isn't at odds with the vocals but it is doing its own thing mm-hmm. and and i think that you know darling it's maybe a little bit more in line with the song but it's it's so much more advanced than this bluesy piano groove that paula is going mm-hmm. in. and, and 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 you can't for somebody as proficient at the bass as as Colin. Of course, he's going to be taking his cues from J P J and Paul McCartney. I think, and you know, sure, speculating, but yeah,
0: I mean, I think that Paul McCartney
1: is a unique bass
0: player, um, not standalone in this regard, but just not how everybody plays. Where he uses the bass to create counter melodies to the vocals. Yes, and thank you. Colin doesn't do that all the time. Mm -mm. But when he does, it's very, very tasteful and you and it feels like he's really, really working in collaboration with what Tom is doing vocally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what he's doing in this song does not at all Mm-mm. match what Tom is doing. But, it but it's guides a whole it other into where melody. It
1: goes. Yeah. Because it is a whole other melody, but like we were talking about with it maybe having a little bit more of a minor flair or overtone, I really do think it guides it to that. So cool. So, do you like this song? Love it. I love this song. You know, this is a song that it was never a skipper. But um, if if we're ranking, and I don't want to keep doing that, but the, as Walker said in our "Hail of the Thief" episode, man, do these motherfuckers know how to open an album? It does set a tone, and the tone is different than "Hail of the Thief." Mm-hmm. If if I were uh, virginal for this album and having been a "Hail of the Thief" fan, which I was not, my experience, you know, uh, this this. I, uh, I think it's it's like we're doing something different. We're still Radiohead. Um, it's not maybe doesn't hit as much with me as everything in its right place in two plus two equal five, but I think it's such an amazing song that over the years has really uh, risen in my esteem, and I love what it says for what's to come. What about you? I agree with that. Uh, I have a personal anecdote
0: about this song, mm. and it's something that's been mentioned last week tangentially and in our episode with Jesse Rimler. But one is that his band Kapowski covered this song and they started, what was really cool is they covered it right after this album came out. Yeah, Their band figured it out. They performed it really, really well. And at this time that they were playing this a lot, they had a additional person in the lineup, our friend Nunzio, who I know listens to the podcast, actually. Really? Oh, awesome. Really great guy, hilarious uh, comedy writer, sketch performer. And he um, was part of Kapowski for some period of time. I don't know how long mm-hmm. it was, but he was kind of doing additional parts <laughs> on stuff like this. So he, I remember, Jesse was singing and playing okay. the... Electric piano, the roads. Mm-hmm. Then they had a drummer, uh, my friend Jake, Jesse's brother, on drums, playing this part just on the drum set, the fill part on the drum set. And then uh, John was would play bass or guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes Nunzio would play bass if John was playing guitar. But primarily the bass player of the band incredible musician. yeah. And so Nunzio was on like the Casio keyboard playing those dissonant chords. Wow. And, uh, they just really, really nailed this song. And I know they played it at at least one show and then a year or so went by and they weren't really playing the song anymore. And Jason and I in like a drunken reverie at what was the (laughs) last show we had at that place, um, started like screaming for them to play 15-step and they hadn't played it in a really long time uh-huh. and succumbed to our pressure and absolutely
1: nailed That's it. That's incredible. That so, last detail that they absolutely nailed it. So yeah, yeah,
0: so when I hear this song, I kind of picture Jesse at the piano. like, Like, you know how when people bob at the piano it's a very specific yes. kind of up and down <laughs> yeah. back and forth <laughs> yeah. and doing that and just i've loved hearing my friends play this and play it while it was contemporary yeah um that's incredible the other thing i was going to comment on was just what you were saying is it kind of being a tone setter for the album i think that lyrically mm-hmm. it's a big shift um because the lyrics of this album as we'll kind of see i don't know that lyrics are ever a huge focus for either of us um it, it comes up but yeah it, uh, this album is overtly less political, yes, and I would say much more personal feeling, yes, even if it's not personal to uh the the inner life of Tom York, mm-hmm. the songwriter, It's personal topics in this song is feels like it's kind of about spurned love or mm-hmm. you know a relate a shitty relationship that keeps going on and off or something like that, interpreting it literally anyway. Mm. And that's just like not normally what Radiohead writes about. Mm -hmm. And I find the themes on this album, it's not just my observation, the band has talked about it too, but to be much more existential, personal themes of kind of like consciousness, Mm -hmm. life and death. Mm-hmm.
1: And that goes with the all, all fathers too. and I really hear a lot of that as we'll go through the tracks. Um, I stayed away from uh, from quotes from the band about what the lyrical content may kind of have been inspired by. but I I couldn't stay away because uh, completely because as we d- discussed in our first episode on this album, uh, the locational hopping and the the, the the amount of time it took them to do. Uh, or rather to record it, I really do hear. And it's so funny how you were saying a 15-step might be like about a spurn relationship. I have always interpreted that song, not always, but for a long time, along with the next one a little bit, of sort of the repetitive nature that is recording Radiohead's music. How come I end up where I started? Which Mm. you could go either direction. Um, but yeah, I, I love the lyrics of In Rainbows so much. Well, you love
0: talking about word paintings and this yes. song, the lyrics, how come I end up where I've started <laughs>
1: open and close the song, yeah, which is great too. And yeah, I mean, uh, Oh, also won't take my eye off the ball again. That's such a dad kind of encouragement. And I picture maybe not Nigel, but just even just the, that phrase in there, like you got to record an album, you know, but re- music is such a artistic personal endeavor. That's really hard to. You do have to make it a. Me- metho- uh, uh, you do have methodical? to methodical. Yes, you do have to do that. But when you try and overdo that, then it, the magic can go out. And I kind of just hear Tom maybe snidely kind of saying that. But sure. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, yeah.
0: won't sing raindrops four seven times again, <laughs> <laughs> cause no one liked it
1: and I feel ashamed and it fucking sucked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also think this is a tone setter in. Um. This is, in my opinion, some of Radiohead's... Hmm. How do I say this? It's really hard for me to find the adjectives to describe the sound of this album because they don't fit. I want to say happiest sounding music Mm -hmm. but i don't think most people would listen to 15 step and be like what a happy sounding song but it just it's more bright than the last two openers bright is good yeah Yeah. and it just it just to me this album does have more of a approachable feel Mm -hmm. for people who may be scared off by the kind of morose nature of some of Radiohead's the heaviness Uh, yeah and this album is not Free of heaviness. Mm -mm. I wouldn't even say that song is free of heaviness, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a fucking foot tapper. Absolutely. Radiohead, it's like, Radiohead wrote a song that sounds like a hit Uh that's in 5-4 time. Yeah. Yeah and uh you know changes from a major to a minor yes. key in the middle of the song
1: as discussed in our episode with brad specifically i mentioned that this song is in the twilight of the film twilight um <laughs> yeah a- and, and credits and yeah and i mean gosh that we i don't think folks generally think of that as a great movie but it was so so and remains to this day such a big movie in such a moment in time yeah and uh you know, obviously, a broad audience was in mind when making that that movie, right? Mm-hmm. and And to have a radiohead song um is just it's just speaks to, I think the palatable nature of it. You mentioned the time signature, I think is in uh, is in a five time, right? And Brad yeah. talks all about that listeners. go listen to that episode. um but yeah, and and it's so palatable. that's that's the brilliance of this band at this point. we We still have an opener that doesn't have a chorus that's in an unconventional time signature, just like the previous albums. Is it more palatable? I think so. Do you yeah. like it more? Personally, no. But do I love it? Yes. Great. Yeah. Should we move on to the next song? Please. All right.
0: Coming up next is Body Snatchers, track two of In Rainbows. (music) Heavier than the
1: last song. Yeah. Can I make a quick observation about this song? I think this is Radiohead's. This is the the brilliance of uh, Maybe folks weren't thinking about it this way But we know that their heyday And beyond was in the 90s This is The most 90s sounding kind of riff I almost think of that Meat Puppet song That has that great kind of but it, it's translated. I don't, th- I don't know if I know. I don't really know the Meat Puppets. Uh, well, I know they
0: were a big influence on Nirvana. But yeah,
1: it just it it, uh, it just has a '90s groove to it. But it's translated through Radiohead, and I just I wanted to call that attention to it. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's basic. I just I love it so much. This is a killer song. Maybe even The little pumpkins.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, also the tone of his guitar—it's a fuzz. Yeah. Like I, I'm like it's a fuzz more than a straight distortion. Minor of the previous major. So we're in D major to start the song. Now we're in D minor. Really? Yep. Wow, it sounds so seamless.
1: I mean, there's more chords in that, but is that's that the opener. Is that
0: the are uh, in?
1: Yes, I believe so. I don't know, actually. So, listeners, I don't know. Could, be a, guitar, yeah. it could, could be, be a guitar. It could be a guitar. The whale of the Owens. I love in Scotch Mist too, watching this part because, listeners, I wasn't sure who the lead guitarist of Radiohead was when I was... Watching this initially because Tom, I just want to call attention to this now. I feel no shame saying it. Tom is so sexy in this, (laughs) uh, during this song. I can't remember if it's this one or the next one that he takes his sweater off, but I think he's wearing a blue sweater. And he's doing like a marathon run because the way Tom York moves, the the physical endurance required to play this song, he's doing that main riff pretty much the entire time. And Johnny is doing air quotes around this, textures. Um, but not playing the lead to the whole time and Ed is very busy too this is a three guitar wall of sound song love this
0: and then this bridge let's let this play
1: G minor so we're back as D minor as our guide
0: and this acoustic guitar rhythm track that kicks in here so good is this is I love this song this is my favorite part of this song yes Love the lyrics here too. Again, the same way in the first song, the bass is somehow the most exciting part. The wall of electric guitar sound dropping out and an acoustic coming in is somehow the
1: most exciting
0: part of this song to me.
1: Yeah, and it's it's restrained in the back, but it's guiding everything. So this is this song's fast too. It's so hard to play. Tempo. One, two,
2: three. Uh, 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 uh.
0: Sorry about that. No, no, no. Shouldn't have uh made that noise. And then going back into Rock City.
1: I totally agree with you. The, the build we've gotten and into that break, to, it doesn't cut everything. It's my favorite part. Now we're, we're back in okay computer territory. We might be losing our minds, but with the profoundly sophisticated musical vocabulary. And
0: again, lyrically, personal themes. Uh, this is just like, to me, like an Identity Crisis jam, the chorus is, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm trapped in this
1: body and I can't get out. Uh, Want to know something, Walker? Yeah. This riff we're hearing right now, this is a new riff. It's not that opener. It's so Johnny is guiding the riff um, up on frets one through three, essentially. And it's an alteration of that opening riff. But we're still we we're back to D major. Uh, we'll let the song end but I have a little bit more listen to Tom go crazy here vocally So I did email, um, former guest and friend of the show. I will call him a friend of the show, (laughs) uh, Brad Osborne, author of everything in its right place, analyzing Radiohead. And I just, uh, Brad, if you're listening, (laughs) I could, I can't be more grateful because when he was on our show, I, I had read his book. I've read it, uh, three and a half times now. Um, and I was really, really thinking about it. That was another thing I went back to, to try and guide, like, what insights could I bring, whether I'm quoting someone or personally to this album, and uh I, I wasn't finding too much and i was listening back to our interview with him and as he was talking about terminal cl- terminal climax yeah. i was like body snatchers that and, and and i was like i don't think it's in his book rather than double check <laughs> i <Yeah>. emailed him <laughs> and <laughs> asked hey i think i found one. it does i uh, you know and it wasn't it wasn't a gotcha i wrote it very humbly but i said is body snatchers a terminal climax song and he said so gracious he elaborated on it and he said Yes. And here, as you can find on page 38, and it was the short amount of time that I got a response that I said, this guy didn't have to look. He wrote his own book, but like how awesome that he could just bing. And so, yes, this song is a terminate climactic form. What I didn't ask him and what occurred to me on the way up here is, is this song through composed? Mm-hmm. Because we in through composition, we, it's not that we can't repeat. It's once we leave a section, we never return back to it. Yeah. And I don't think it is, because we have that opening of da, 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 and then we go to that bridge that goes to D minor, bridge, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But then we do go back to that original da, 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 before we hit the actual bridge of Has the Light Gone Out for You? Has the Light Gone Out for Me? But it almost is, because it doesn't really feel like, if you think about the song on a linear plane, that that we go back to old material. In fact, I'm even second-guessing myself now, if we ever go back to that opening right? We do. after okay. the.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs>
1: But and, so it's close, but I love how that song feels like such a journey. And it is the loudest part listeners go, unless you want to elaborate on Terminal Climax. But
0: no, not at all. I mean, I was thinking about Terminal Climax from learning about it from Brad, um, which is also what I call it when somebody dies during sex, by the way. <laughs> Cop comes in. Looks like we got a terminal climax. This was a terminal climactic moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they both died. Zach after sex rolls over. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Dumb. Uh, first of all, Brad is a really gracious to continue to like teach us about Radiohead off the clock, so to speak. Yeah. What if when you wrote him that, he just sent you in response a scanned page of the table of contents of his book and was like <laughs> hey maybe this is a resource you would find helpful <laughs> like, <laughs> leave me alone um but no i he, the the dude seems to really enjoy sharing yeah. his knowledge of radiohead which is great um I mean, I think that... We've the termi- also
1: increased his book sales uh, exponentially. So. Yeah, we each <laughs> bought a copy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, please go ahead.
0: I, I think that the terminally climactic form, it's hard to say, is uh, going to come up a lot because he defined that as an ending section that's different, but that is, uh, functions like a chorus. Right. You're responding to it like you're hearing a chorus. Now, Zach has brought up that this album has no choruses and that it remains really hard for me to Mm -hmm. wrap my head around because there are sections in multiple songs that I do think of as the chorus, Mm -hmm. but I understand that chorus as it's defined is it's a section that repeats over and over that has like a hook to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think of the chorus of Body Snatchers as "Ah, ah, ah, ah," because it goes between verse one and verse two, and it kicks off off that bridge. Yeah, but that's not not a chorus. It's just it's just a uh, it's just a bridge between one section to the other. Yeah. So, I mean, is chorus literally defined by like the Yes, the like lyrical composition, like what, what, what L- makes, what makes a section a chorus versus not a chorus in the most basic sense.
1: Lyrical content that repeats. Okay, Got and it. and 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 when I when I think of that, that uh, that there are no there are no not a single song on in rainbows that has a traditional chorus. Every time I say it to myself or uh, to someone else to see their facial expression. I I, it astonishes me like internally it makes my brain tickle because the way I think of in rainbows is just this linear journey and it's so such a journey forward and up and down you never go backwards that it, it I don't know how to say it. it's just like it it's so hard to pick that out but once you're given that information you can kind of start to pick your spots along the way observationally because this album just just puts you in a vehicle and lets you go to where, yes, you know, the technical aptitude is so great of this band, but it's just such a wonderful journey. And within each song, even. Yeah,
0: absolutely. About body snatchers specifically, I rude. just want to say <laughs> snatching bodies. Oh, a bit <laughs> inconsiderate. Go ahead. Um, I love this song more than I ever have. Oh, great. It may surprise you to know, uh, when I listened to this album for the last time before we recorded about it, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to squeeze one more in. Do I really like this album? I asked myself, <laughs> and the answer is yes. And uh, I was listening to it. I love 15 Step. When Body Snatchers kicked in, I was elated. Mm-hmm. And the thought that I had completely unfiltered that popped into my head was, they're back. Yes. It was just like... It, yeah. it, it It felt like, honestly, it felt like the second track of this album is Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town.
1: Uh-huh. Like, or Radiohead's Paranoid Android. <laughs> yes. But I, but I just mean in terms of statement of yeah. just
0: like, it feels like Tom was like, did somebody have some criticisms about Ale to the Thief? <laughs> and they're just like, yo, we will melt your face and we will do yes. it in a way that- Completely is in line with what we've set up with the opening of this album. We're not sacrificing the uniqueness of what we're doing here to bring you a rocker. No. It's a weird song. It doesn't sound like what they've done before. Mm-mm. It doesn't sound like what they set up with the opening track, yet it follows perfectly
1: yeah and to to allow or to add on to what you're saying too we talked a lot about maybe some of the sequencing issues on "Hail to the thief uh i didn't want to not talk after body snatchers but listeners you know put on in rainbows let that bombastic close end that that does give me okay computer vibes with again a more sophisticated musical vocabulary what have you the way it goes into this next song you know, one could say, "Oh, it's similar to *Hill of the Thief*, and that we come to this screeching halt." Potentially, you know, just just this everyone going crazy, so to speak. Uh, but this album is so brilliantly sequenced, even on tracks that maybe I don't aren't at the tippy top for me. I'll just say, the way they kind of coalesce and bleed into one another is so perfect. And then I think that's very much the case with Body Snatchers in this next song.
0: Well, you know what? I will let the last 20 seconds of Body Snatchers play okay. into track three of In Rainbows, which is Nude. Okay. So this is the last 20 seconds of Body Snatchers, and we'll just let it go right in the sequence there.
1: Do yourself a favor, listeners. Watch the Scotch of this. I'm also hearing maybe a little
0: wah pedal being played by one of the guitars yeah. there. Wow. So very different tone here. Mm-hmm. And again, the way the last one felt to me just like a statement of just like, Radiohead are here mm-hmm. and we're, and and the boys are back.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, what they tried
0: to do on, on Hail of the Thief. Yeah, perhaps. This one to me is like, Oh, Walker, did you have some criticisms of the slower moments on Hail to the Thief? Did you find uh, those to be a bit boring? Because... This is a very slow, very downbeat song. And for my money, it's one of the best songs in the Radiohead catalog.
1: Yeah, I I, am just such a huge fan of this song. And Colin's playing with Walker called attention to it in a a really brilliant way earlier. It just, you know, uh, really, really guides the melodic structure of this song. I would say also like 15 step, um, you don't get the sense that he's singing in a minor key. Um... Because right, this is G sharp minor, G sharp major, A major. Also,
0: it's just drums, bass, and vocals for that first verse, which Radiohead hasn't done a verse like that off the top of my head in a few albums. No, and that's like almost like a that's like a
1: the Benz arrangement for an In Rainbows level song. Oh, and, and Johnny's... This is Johnny Greenwood, by the way. Uh, the, I love that scrape he's doing. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say, I just, with that intro, I, I, I don't think Radiohead could have achieved that prior to this album. Maybe they could have. And and we've talked a lot about with uh, guests of the show, Sean Perrin, with, uh, on our um, second OK Computer episode, that this song had been kicking around the canon for a long time. Yeah. Had a harder feel to it. Just what he's doing from a production standpoint doesn't feel overproduced, but it's like nothing I've ever heard before in Radiohead's catalog and generally. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't really know how I'd even describe it. It's like, there seems to be things maybe running backwards and forwards. It's so awesome. And I think we can say thank you to Nigel for this album being what it is, but also in that song in particular, just kind of focus in a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This song has been around since the OK Computer era, Mm -hmm. and I actually found a OK Computer Sessions alternate version of it. Ooh, fun. And uh, we'll listen to that when we talk about some of the discarded material from In Rainbows and Mm -hmm. just some of the uh, early versions, early versions, B-sides, rarities, et cetera. It's really cool, Mm -hmm. the early version. I'm so glad that they just kept tinkering with this one.
1: I don't know that we've ever had a moment like this in a Radiohead song before either. Tom really leaning into like... An the acapella? Ability. Yeah, and, and I, 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 this may sound like a ding, but it's not. It could almost be like a beautiful Disney song or something. Yeah. Um, this one sounds yes. like
0: just like dreams and colors.
1: Yes, which, oh, I, I, thank you so much. Because this song to me totally, totally defines the album cover. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to say body snatchers is is in opposition to it, but I picture uh, listeners. The album cover is so difficult to describe, but it it always looks to me like it's moving, uh, like we've talked about with former guests. There's a lot of implied movement. Uh, it's it's beautiful, and yeah, I don't need to keep going, but it feels like drifting through a rainbow on acid, but not maybe even on acid. Like yeah. that, that would be like to be <laughs> going to heaven or something. Yeah, floating I don't know.
0: down a. River of color.
1: This this to me like this. is like look at the light, it's okay.
0: Sounds like it's You're Disney not song. wrong, that's a Disney princess moment right there. Yeah. Um since it came up organically, I'll talk a little bit about the artwork of this album. Um, Once again, you're never going to believe this. They managed to get Stanley Donwood to collaborate (laughs) with them on this one. Wow. Nigel and Stanley really, really got a lot of pull,
1: don't you? What if they were fighting with each other? And that's why they, oh, yeah. yeah, he's too bold, isn't he? Too bald? Yeah. That was Nigel about Stanley Domwood.
0: Nigel's pretty bald, too. Oh,
1: is he? Okay. There's a lot of bald representation right, we'll cut in that. the Radiohead
0: <laughs> camp. Well, n- Nigel is... Uh, let's just say Stanley has accepted his fate more than Nigel has. Okay, I Because Nigel this. is from the front. You're just like, oh,
1: look at this guy who's not bald. But and from then, the side. The, whoosh, yeah. The other two bald patterns, you wouldn't even know are there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the cover of this is, I would say, a departure from the artwork Donwood has done on yeah. the other albums. It's much more photographic. Um, and to me, it's always looked like uh multicolored lava. Me too. Splashing. Very much so. Um, and so Donwood got this effect by experimenting with photographic etching, putting prints into acid, acid baths mm-hmm. and throwing wax at paper, creating images that were influenced by NASA space photography. Mm-hmm. And I love this. He says the the cover image that you see is a rainbow, but it's very toxic. It's more Mm -hmm. like the sort of one you'd see in a puddle, Mm -hmm. which I
1: really like. Now, I... Like when you see oil in a puddle or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I teased that I would have a Stanley Kubrick reference last week. And for me, what this reminds me of is the shots in the Stargate sequence Mm -hmm. of 2001 where different colored liquids Mm -hmm. are uh, filtering through, uh, different dyes are filtering through pools of liquid, Mm -hmm. creating a very psychedelic effect in that scene in 2001.
1: Slit slit scan is what the technique is called.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kubrick shot that before he shot anything else for 2001, having a sense that he would use it for the movie Mm -hmm. with no idea of what it Mm -hmm. was going to represent in the final product. Mm. Just... Different liquids of different weights and different dyes Mm -hmm. and shooting that in a way that it looks uh, Mm -hmm. amazing. And when I first saw that, it's like, what the hell is this? How did they shoot this in 1968? And it's with... Pools of uh, mm-hmm. dye and water mm-hmm. and and different chemicals, and it's just yeah hyper close-ups of, of uh, real tangible materials. Yeah, and the, the interview- practical effects, folks, yeah. We love them.
1: Well, the interview with the there's a documentary on two thousand one um, that uh, that I can't recommend enough. I uh, can't remember the name of it. I think it's two thousand one making of an odyssey, and the gentleman who created the slit scan uh very much kind of in line with what we were talking about with like the pay what you want Mm -hmm. um there's so many ways to to build up a moment in time when you have a revolutionary idea right and then there's so many ways to make it approachable which i do think great artists have a little bit of a responsibility to do to inspire others Sure. sure and 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 i would say the gentleman i can't remember the name of him but who created the slit scan and brought it to stanley um, who was very supportive? Another critical component of being a collaborative artist yeah. um, is being democratic and supportive, and uh, not being afraid to shoot things down when they suck, which he was also not afraid to do. But but it, you know, just that that moment of creation and how he was experimenting, right? And and I don't I, you you capped that off, brilliant Walker. I just. It, uh, like we were talking about with the pay what you want model, that it was sort of an idea in a room that became this great thing.
0: Yeah. And just since we're talking about it, I just want to give a, a basic definition of what slit scan photography is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a technique. Uh, let's see. Slit scan photography technique is a photographic and symptomographic process where a movable slide into which a slit has been cut is inserted between the camera and and the subject to be photographed. Now, I gotta tell you, mm-hmm. the slit scan photography is actually the geometric pattern stuff mm-hmm. in two thousand and one. I'm talking about the like the drops of liquid. yes,
1: that uh, there's one specific shot where it pushes in. It's in the bottom right hand corner. yeah. um, and I think it is and the it'll most... be like
0: a green screen with like purple liquid yes. shooting across or orange with blue or and yes. all that. So th- there's a bunch of weird shit that he shot. But uh, could you see how this. I went to
1: that too? Though even yes, even, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> it's course, so cool. But
0: I was yeah specifically yeah. thinking of literally the first things he shot were a bunch of chemicals Which and dyes kind of, yeah, paint. Yeah. W- in uh, mm-hmm. in some warehouse in New York. Yeah, going like I think I'll use this for this like vague sci-fi idea. Yeah. that I have.
1: I'll use it for the latter third of the film, just like Radiohead's third song in the album has been kicking around for a long time. Wow, you know, uh, broke folks.
0: Zach uh, has a really good Stanley Kubrick impression, so go listen to him speak. Too bad
1: on one of you have probably heard his voice. Better <laughs> listening.
0: It's just so funny. You just never expect that this like genius who was an expat who like an Anglophile to just have like a super thick Bronx. Yeah, accent. he's from the Bronx. Yeah. I so love when I it. took
1: that picture of the newspaper right on the day Roosevelt died, you're like, what?
0: Who yeah. Are
1: you? <laughs> Um, It'd be like if Tom had a Southern accent. Right.
0: No, I mean, it says a lot, I guess, about like our biases. Absolutely. You know, just what we ascribe intelligence to. So when I wrote nude. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like you do ascribe all this intelligence to a British accent. But I I dare you to watch one episode of Love Island and walk away with that impression intact. You're like, oh, they're even bigger idiots than us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or as big.
1: Yeah, it's a tall. It's a it's a tall order. People are people. There's good and bad ones. So on why definition. should it be?
0: <laughs> uh, should we go to the next track? Yeah, please. All right. This is weird fishes slash arpeggi. Do I have that pronunciation right, or is it arpeggi?
1: Uh, I've heard it both, but I think in in our uh, it, arpeggi is correct.
0: Because is it a cheeky reference to the arpeggio picking pattern of the guitar? I've always song? wondered
1: that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. This is it. It's got to be, actually. Yeah. Uh, Listeners, practice your arpeggios. That's how you learn how to solo.
0: Now, I'm going to talk a little bit while this is playing. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one that, for me, has risen in esteem over years. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always one that I love more in the flow of the album than I listen to on its own on a regular basis. But Mm -hmm. I do really, really like this song. And I'm saying that, Zach, because I don't want to put you on the spot here, but this is one that, if I'm not mistaken, you're not crazy about.
1: Yeah, correct. But I, I would just say I feel the same, that in the flow of the album, much like, I mean, it, listen, it's a, and as a song song, it is better than the title track on Kid A. Mm-hmm. Or I enjoy it more, I guess I would say, maybe. I always find new things to like about it melodically, uh, specifically the vocals too, towards the latter part of the song. Um, but no, it is it is quite low on my list of favorites uh, as a Radiohead song that seems to be pretty universally loved. I love it more and more, and here's why. And it kind of
0: gets into what I think is so distinct about this album compared to their other work, mm-hmm. which is also the things I love about Kid A are why I now have a slight hesitancy about making it my number one. Okay. Um, if that makes sense, because a, it's just hard for me to pick because the mm-hmm. number one spot is the, the whatever would be number two. I really can't say that I love any less. Right. So it, it depends more yeah, on, yeah. on the on the day and the mood. Uh huh. But I feel slightly weird making "In Rainbows" my number one because it almost makes me feel like I'm like saying that I don't like what Radiohead is doing on these other albums. Yeah. Meaning. This song is very indicative to me of that Radiohead is in a much more, use the word approachable before. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in a more approachable and prettier mm-hmm. mode on this album. I feel like this album has the most songs out of any Radiohead album that you could put an uninitiated uh, person. Yeah. As the most songs that you could put on for an uninitiated listener mm-hmm. and not bum them out.
1: Absolutely. Very well said. And and that used to be OK Computer for you. Yeah. But OK Computer is... I, I
0: struggled to find the word before and I landed on happy, which I don't like. But this album does feel more positive mm-hmm. and life affirming to me than any album before or after that radio yes. has made. And, but I don't have a problem with that their other stuff is is more um, pessimistic in sound and kind of outlook. I love that too. So that's why I'm almost like, I don't want to put that as a distinction that makes it better than any of their other work.
1: Yeah. I mean, no notes on what you just said. I, I wholeheartedly agree and think you distilled that excellently. I do think one of the biggest difference makers probably for Tom I just, I don't mean to be reductive to people that don't the other members that didn't write the lyrics um, because you can express yourself in so many different ways, musically and your thoughts and feelings. But I do feel like the difference maker had to have been children. And I know mm-hmm. that we talked a little bit about that. He had, this is just dicey only because I don't know the man. And I, and I, sure I, he might not even define it that simplistically, but you know, while the lyrical themes do seem to bounce around, I do feel like we're listening to—I mean, like this is decidedly darker—but I do feel like we're listening to somebody who's had a shift in life, mm-hmm. and you know, and and what, there are a few things that can be more impactful. I say that as somebody who's not fathering any children, but I've observed that, and that that seems to be a very reasonable position to take. And and what's cool about that is that I think that those themes aren't present in the lyrics or in the music necessarily. Um, but I just think there's a guided maturity that, that could have correlated. Correlation is not causation or anything like that. What What do you think? I think that's really interesting.
0: I, I think that I can only speak for myself, Mm -hmm. but I do think that if we look at the last couple albums through the lens of the songwriter being a new parent, Mm -hmm. because that's a big part of hail to the thief, right? But the feeling that it's
1: parent on, he was a, uh, Brandia today though? No, I, right?
0: I think that Hail to the Thief is the first Daddy I so too. Tom album. Yeah, I think so too. And that's what he called himself at yeah. that time. Yeah, Daddy yeah. Tom's here, he would say, before every band practice. He <laughs> would make the other bands band members call him that. Yeah. Which I think maybe led to the hiatus. Yeah,
1: I'm take. no longer the Tom Cat as he was on the I might be wrong live performance. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> talked about that, but
0: he did exclusively refer to himself in the third person as the Tom Cat <laughs> up to that point. Um New fatherhood is something that he very explicitly said was informing his songwriting on Hail to the Thief. Yeah. But it's informing it from a place of extreme Mm -hmm. anxiety about the future. Right. That the world that his kid is being left with. And I can definitely track in my own fatherhood. Mm Mm-hmm the newness of that does there is a an accompanying feeling of my god what have i done yeah and i think as time goes on and you settle into it and i want to be careful i say this because mm-hmm. i i am in no way dismissive of the existential threats that exist in our mm-hmm. society today mm-hmm. please keep going i'm tracking so yeah yeah keep it going. but i do think that raising a kid as i am who has his basic needs taken care of and sits in a place of of relative privilege is is living what i i hope is a is mm-hmm. a happy and full life and i get the impression that it is i think you do start to settle into a sense that people have always felt mm-hmm. this terrified of mm-hmm. what they're handing to the next generation yeah and we should care about that yeah But that sense of dread is not unique to Mm -hmm. the time we're living in, no matter how heightened the threats are. Yeah. And the causation might not even be unique. Of course not. And also the relativity of it means that your kid is living in the only world they've ever known. Mm -hmm. And people have always found idyllic childhood happiness Mm -hmm and safety, and comfort, and love in those times. Mm -hmm. I cannot put all this onto Tom, but I am speaking to watching my kid go through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely think that it affected the generation Mm -hmm. that that went through that, that missed a a year and Mm -hmm. change of hanging out with their friends and going to school and gathering in public spaces and stuff. But at the same time... I see my kid and his friends, and none of them have lost a step. Right. None of them are not acting like children Mm -hmm. anymore. They, they kind of seem to have compartmentalized Mm it. I'm sure one day when they have the ability to articulate how they processed what they went through, Mm -hmm. we'll definitely see that it had a a generational
1: effect. But, you know, I, I, can I just real quick say? Yeah, I, yeah, please. I, I I Ram can't made. compare it. No, no. I love everything you're saying, and I want you. To, but the uh, the way I think though, they might compartmentalize it potentially is the way our our parents compartmentalized during the maybe slightly older than our parents, but uh, having to hide under desks for um uh like atomic threats mm-hmm. and the scarring mentality. They were still able to, and that was with their fellow students. No two things are alike, but I I have talked to just a very, very small group of folks that are kind of willing to talk about what the mental scars that that may have put on them. Uh, That's not usually a generation that is willing to speak to that a lot, especially not to somebody my own age. But one person in particular has told me like, you know, there were a lot of scarring things in my childhood that were, you know, one person doing something to me that were very direct. But the sort of bigger thing that I think about that I've forgotten to bring up as trauma was having to hide under desks and practice uh, drills, mm-hmm. you know? Can mm-hmm. you, uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis time and Dr. Strangelove type era, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and kids now have to do that for active shooter drills, you know? Yes. Which is inc- yeah. incredibly dark
0: to yes. say on a podcast where we like to talk about music and have fun, but, mm-hmm. and that, it, 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 both things are true. That mm-hmm. breaks my heart. Yeah, me too. And makes me very sad, but I also know that, that the kids who are living under these conditions are still experiencing that kind of Mm -hmm. like intangible magic part Mm -hmm. of everything too. Yeah. And the way this, I think maybe relates to what we're speculating about, about the songwriting process and kind of the POV that's taking place on this album is I get a real sense on this album of comfort with the void Mm -hmm. as opposed to, Hail to the thief, which is anger. (laughs) That's a boy. And, and, you know, the records preceding that are a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And those things are all still on this record. It's all part of the human experience. All things are true, often all at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it just sounds like it's somebody who is uh, like, oh, yeah, this is all fucked up, crazy, Mm -hmm. potentially meaningless. Mm Mm-hmm. And And those
1: things don't go away when you have children, if you're inspired and you have a tendency towards that line of thinking, but maybe it's in a more, in a different delivery system. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I think it's just like, it's all, it's like that is all true and I'm okay. Yes. And, and this album just feels very like life affirming Mm -hmm. to me compared to their other, even though it has lyrics, like I'm trapped in this body and I can't get out. It still feels like this album feels more present. Mm -hmm. With like the human experience of just being alive to me Mm -hmm. and other Radiohead albums. What makes them so great is they tap into a feeling of being alienated from Mm -hmm. the present moment. But that just is not here on. Right. Because now if you're trapped to me.
1: Exactly. Because now if you're trapped in a body and can't get out, you can change that. (laughs) we'll cut that (laughs) uh but yeah no i i'm sure that fatherhood
0: is connected to it i think it gives like look and here's the part where i say because man do i hate when uh people with children talk Mm -hmm. down to people who don't people realize these things in all sorts of different ways on the journey of their life i think for people who have children that is sometimes a, a way that you gain perspective that you didn't have
1: quickly. Well, just so the listeners know, I do not have any children, and I was speculating on this, and that's what led you to go on this. So I I feel like I kind of nudged you to elaborate all the beautiful things you just did. So it's great that you put that out there, but I I agree. I do think it's harder for those of us that do not to learn some of the things that people who are content to talk down to non-parents with. Mm -hmm. And this is my opinion, listeners. This is not universal. I do believe... A lot of Walker, what Walker just discussed, um, for for us normal people that would be good parents. I'm not talking about people that are neglectful. So, right, all things being equal. Yes. I do think it is harder, ultimately, in the long run to learn a lot of the lessons that people who father children, fa- uh, you know, parent children learn. I do not think it's impossible. Just like I think it's harder to sometimes have some of the revelations that you get on acid without ever doing acid. Right. But it's very, very, very possible. Yeah, and and I think that that just speaks to what you were saying a little bit. Don't project, you know, your life experience. Blah blah blah. I will say, having no plans to have children at this time, at today, you know, uh, I I have come to the conclusion. I think it's harder now. Listeners, write in, sound off if you think I'm being reductive. But you know, yeah, I don't know. That's all. That's all I'll say.
0: Um, shall we move on to the next song? <laughs> yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this next song is. All I need
1: is to smoke weed. Need weed. Need weed. Need weed.
0: <laughs> Should we tell what the story of? Please, need please.
1: Weed? I don't want listeners to think I think I'm that funny for just saying that. Uh,
0: when do you remember this trip? That I it is burned into. I could hear his voice. So how old would you say we were?
1: Uh, I probably would have been about six. Okay.
0: So that would have made me nine. Um, When we were that age, little kids, our family took a trip to San Francisco. Uh, First time I remember being in the city of San Francisco. The city itself, just the city in the broad sense. Big moment. Totally new concept to me. We grew up in a small town. San Francisco felt totally Mm -hmm. crazy and like nothing I'd ever seen. Now, what's funny is we were in the most touristy part of San Francisco on Pier 39, yeah. but still a cool place to visit. Oh, 100%. You, you know, a lot of like what San Francisco is known for is on display mm-hmm. at, on Fisherman's Wharf, but also a lot of what isn't San Francisco, like, you know, Bubba Gum Shrimp Company is yes. on Pier 39. But Maybe in any case, so. there were a lot of, I haven't been on Pier 39 in Years, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still the case, but at that time there were a lot of street performers Mm -hmm. out, and I remember we saw a person doing street magic. Uh, Yes, uh, a straight from a straight jacket, and obviously not a smooth process, listeners. (laughs) uh, Not a smooth process, but still good. And and he had a lot of he had jokes for when it wasn't happening immediately. He was he was good. Um, Also, a lot of folks. Uh, Asking for money Unhoused Or whatever For whatever reason Mm -hmm. There's people seeking Spare change Also very new to me At that time Now as we all know There's really no part In America Where you can Mm -hmm. Completely avoid The housing crisis But at this time This was the first I'd seen it And there was a guy With a sign That said Need money Then the number four And then weed Now listeners If you're in California You're like What's the problem Weed is Legal. I just bought it at the grocery store and I bought it in both a tincture, a gummy and somehow in a jar of peanut butter, right? But at this time... And with
1: the label Advil on it. Yeah.
0: At this time, that was very shocking to me. And uh, I remember turn, like a fucking narc turning to our father and going, Dad, that's illegal. Mm. He can't do that. that that's, oh, yeah, story. yeah. I said, and Dad didn't know what to say, so he just kind of laughed. Yeah. Because I was like, can he say that? But as Drugs I walked, illegal, as
1: I walked by him on Walker's right, Dad would have been to our left. I heard him go, "Need we? Need we?
0: Yeah." <laughs> so that's why Zach said that is his chant as each person would walk by. Need we? Weed, need we? Weed. Oh, that's so great. Now we have talked over the entirety. This was a good song to talk song. over.
1: Fair enough. It is a sleepier, slower one. Not, not because I think it's a sleeper. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Zach,
0: would it surprise you to know that this is possibly my favorite song on "In Rainbows"?
1: Uh, no, it would not surprise me. That's a bold call. This is my second favorite song. No shit. The, I, I, the only reason why I wanted us, uh, and we've heard your favorite, haven't we? Uh, no, we've not. We have not heard my favorite. Okay, because see, yeah, I would have thought my your favorite, favorite is "Body Snap. Is my favorite Radiohead song at this time subject to change wow. um listeners l- suspense listeners uh i have found a vote i have found uh and many others have too a vocal harmony uh to do in the chorus not chorus of the song of you are all i need that is is pos- possibly
0: oh i love to harmonize with this one too
1: yeah and and i say that not to brag but just listeners i cannot encourage it enough when listening to radiohead don't try not to get into that mindset of, Oh, his register is so high. his falsetto. It's out of my range. Tom York, uh, it does have a six octave range, but his head resonance on this album on a, and on am- amnesiac, I think are really, really fun to find it. And it, and it could be a good songwriting task too. Um, anyways, I'll, I'll stop there. Walker. I love, love that song. And I love that. It's possibly your favorite. I just think it's so gorgeous.
0: Uh, it's, one of two of the most down mm-hmm. moments on the album, sonically. Mm, okay. Like, uh, it's,
1: it's the second one upcoming. Yes. Okay. I, I would say listen, it's
0: no. two of the most like, um, heavy sounding songs. Yeah. On the album. Um, I love Colin playing that synth mm, baseline, mm. uh, in the Scotch miss sessions, mm-hmm. you get to see Tom, playing the piano yep. with his left hand and the xylophone or maybe glockenspiel Glockenspiel Is it glockenspiel uh with two mallets in his right hand
1: I now I thought Johnny played the glockenspiel in this song
0: I, I that's that's what oh, I You said
1: Tom Oh I apologize yeah, yeah. so uh-huh.
0: Johnny is playing the pi- the piano uh-huh. and in his right hand uh two malleted glockenspiel Yeah and it's really, really cool, insanely stuff. cool to watch. Um, the lyrics to this song, you know, with Radiohead, I always kind of like hate to take the lyrics too at face value, but kind of in the vein of like every breath you take, this to mm-hmm. me sounds like a little bit a song from the point of view of a stalker. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unrequited love, or or uh, you know a a dumped party that that's is how i imagine it. into mentally unwell territory when
1: you've been dumped and you're just longing and and, and listeners whether you're stalking or not i will of course walk around. i want you to and continue.
0: listeners we know some of you are no please god <laughs> um
1: no but i you know i've had my heart broken and had those thoughts of this person is all i need now i don't carry that through to following them but that is sort of i feel like my impression of the overarch the aching feeling. Is just you can put all of that sadness onto the person, mm-hmm. and and please continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, though,
0: I mean this is and this is a minor distinction to yeah, quibble yeah. about. But to me, the lyrics do sound a little bit like an admirer who is maybe unknown to the person they're admiring. Just because, yeah, yeah, the opening lyrics. I'm the next act waiting in the wings. I'm an animal trapped in your hot car. I'm all the days you choose to ignore. You're all I need. You're all I need. Mm -hmm. So to me, it sounds a little bit like use me, abuse me, ignore me, whatever I can do that will get me in the room with you. Yeah. And I just love these lyrics. I'm a moth who wants to share your light. I'm an insect trying to get out of the light. love it. I only stick with you because there are no others.
1: Can I really? Yeah.
0: It's a it's a ominous song. I love it, and not it, just lyrically. It sounds very kind of it's coming at you. It's as
1: romantic as I think Radiohead can be, and I'm sure there are songs that and 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 not not I haven't heard this interpretation that you were saying, and I agree with it. I think you're right. Um, if you know, but uh, my thing about it being like aching for the person and 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 wrongly funneling all that onto the if only I had that's that's just something a feeling I've gotten, but I have heard that interpretation. What it reminds me of. Is let down a little bit, just in its lyrical style. Sure, I think I said on um, our OK Computer episode, and and obviously there's crush like a bug and let down hurts like a broken arm, hurts like a broken arm. As yeah, I Walker's thought it was yeah. for fifteen years. But I I said that there's a little bit of innocence lost that it reminds me. I I also get that in all I need, um, mm. maybe a second, maybe innocence lost in a later decade in your life. You know, where sure. it might lead you to do something. I don't know. These are all just feelings, but it's just it. it Along with the allusions to insects yeah, being a direct cross compare, there's just a little bit. And one could, if one was so inclined, interpret this or sing it to their partner who they're not stalking in a romantic sense. You're all I need. What's, yeah. what's more sweet and poetic than that? It's this thing Radiohead does of taking, in your words, buoyant, happy sounding lyrics and inverting them over mm-hmm. the musical palette. It's just, it's so genius. It's something I don't think you should think too hard about doing. Mm-hmm. I do think they think about it, but it's just something I think that really fits in the vibe and the mood that they can set. Mood. Totally, dude. I mean, honestly, love songs?
0: Yeah. The difference between them being sweet and scary is what yeah. chords you put under it a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, because like think about Don't Leave Me Now by Pink Floyd on the wall and when it kicks into that ooh baby why are you running away yeah why are you running away ooh baby if that song didn't sound so fucking crazy and scary those lyrics could go in any Mm -hmm. pop love song Mm -hmm. and it would be totally fine it is disconcerting as Mm -hmm. hell
1: when it kicks in yeah listeners, listen to that song that's a sneaky favorite of mine on the wall it is roger water's doing such a good job and then you know Pink Floyd but yeah he's singing off key essentially saying why are you running away which right away you're like why is she running (laughs) yeah that's a better question (laughs) yeah and it's also like singing to the
0: person don't leave me now when you know how I need you and then like the things that I need you for are all like bad yeah the the lyrics are are unsettling Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean this one isn't as overt like it could be interpreted different ways but it They are lyrics that if you put happier sounding music under it, you could pass it off as a more traditional love song, I mm-hmm. think. But Radiohead, yeah. love Radiohead knows how to make it a little bit scary. So that was all I need. Up next, we have the song that I believe ends side one of the album. Yep. And that is track six, Faust Art. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. different different feel here. It's an acoustic song.
1: Rare double-tracked vocals yeah. there. We've got Johnny composing a string arrangement over the back of it. What does Faust Arp
0: mean? Is that made
1: up? Or I don't is that know. A,
0: or is that a different language?
1: I believe Faust Arp was an old, old wooden ship used in the Civil War times. <laughs> From Anchorman when they say... Uh, what is diversity? And he says, I believe diversity was an old, old wooden ship. Used <laughs> this. And then uh, uh, who's the wonderful actor who just passed away uh, from uh, Ron in, in Waiting for Guthman? Oh, Fre- uh, Fred Willard. Yeah. He goes, uh, Ron, I doubt that diversity is an old, old wooden ship used in the Civil War times. And Ron goes, mm, well. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you can that use that one. It's so from Anchorman. Eighteen years old, Anchorman is. Oh my god, it's so old.
0: Oh, dude, we watched. Uh, oh, I can't say this; it'll date when we're recording. Never mind. <laughs> oh darn, dude, this year Elf turned. <laughs> Nin- oh no, 19. and also the music's playing, so this is going to all be on there because I <laughs> That's can't. Okay. Well, so listeners, now you know the dirty secret. We recorded this around Christmas time, but
1: I watched. No, Walker it was twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah,
0: I watched Elf with my kid last night, and he goes. uh this movie's almost twenty years old, and I was like, "You shut the fuck up!" <laughs> but yeah, that made me feel not great that I saw it in the theaters, and that doesn't feel like twenty years ago.
1: No, not at all. Um, do do we get a definition that's correct on Falstar? Yeah, I. It just says a Radiohead song.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's see definition. Oh, it's a discussion on Reddit.
1: Mm, might be made up then.
0: That it is that's a great song right
1: yeah do we want to pause it and give any thoughts yeah over it? so it I says, don't know too much but according
0: to lyrics genius the tracks title Faust arp combines the name of Faust sometimes mm-hmm. spelled Faustus a man who sold his soul to the devil for happiness and almost unlimited power mm-hmm. and Jean slash Hans arp a French sculptor
1: have you seen the play of uh faust I have not. Uh, Kailani, uh, former guest of the show, uh, my wife, Zach Glenn, one half the host of Video Talk, she was the stage manager for uh, the Faustus story. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I only saw it once in college, but...
0: I definitely... It's one of those things where it's like... You hear people say Faustian, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, like yeah. S-
1: Sisyphean. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if I ever investigated what, you know, what Faustian is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, I guess it's a Faustian bargain, right? You yes, sold your exactly. soul to the devil. Um, I feel no closer to knowing what this title means by reading that, but I do love that song. Zach, what are your thoughts about it?
1: Uh, I think it's good for what it is. I mean, I think it's, it's different than what we've gotten. I do feel like it's a little bit of... Not Radiohead succumbing to the time or anything like that, but I do think that in a lot of times with great rock bands, there might be an impulse to be like let's show I'm being reductive in saying this, but like let's have a quick acoustic break whereas I don't know that the album needs that because in the say in the song that's upcoming, it's a slower jam. So I feel like that it might have been guided by just like kind of keeping the album varied, even though it's already varied enough. Uh, the only reason I'm coming down on it, and this will, this uh, it's a, such a great song. It's very, very interesting melodically, like the chords that are used. We have a Radiohead trick of major, minor, minor, major, rather. It starts off in B minor, plays around with the bass a little bit, but it does eventually go to a B major. Mm-hmm. So really, really cool songwriting technique used, um, but I don't want to tip my hand too much, but we're going to talk about disc two. Uh, that would maybe be a song that I would possibly consider maybe trading mm-hmm. out for a different one is all I'll say.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm definitely open to hearing that. I think that it's a great reset for the album. You know, um, I yeah. like that it ends side one and then gets us into another more fully realized, fleshed out full band song. And with that, I'll bring that one up. It's Reckoner by Radiohead.
1: And I reckon they've been kicking around this song for many years at different styles and tempos. Is that correct? I did not know that. I yes. do know
0: that it evolved from a song called Pulled Apart by Horses. Uh, yeah. That Tom York. will listen track, yeah. to on our Disc 2 episode just to mm-hmm. kind of hear. But yeah, he was messing around with a, that with the band and mm-hmm. later Pulled Apart by Horses became a, a solo track that he released as a single and Reckoner became a Radiohead song.
1: Yeah, on his they, 2009 album? Or I'm sorry. It's no. not even on an album. Oh, okay. it's just He just put it out as a single.
0: Um, It sounds nothing like Reckoner, Mm -hmm. but you can also feel rhythmically what what they were kind of messing with. Um, Now, this is something I have not brought up yet on this album. I've said that this is a more approachable Radiohead album, a slightly more optimistic kind of timber to this album, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. When we discussed Tom York's solo album The Eraser. Mm-hmm. I described it as Sexy Time Radiohead. Mhm. But I think that this album is actually Sexy Time Radiohead. Yeah, yeah, certain tracks are for sure, and this is very much one of them yes. to me. This is now I I want to uh I want to now actually cite my sources here and um Bring up this person's Twitter. I follow a Radiohead meme account, <laughs> nice, uh, called In gay bows <laughs> and uh, I just wanted that is at In gay bows underscore, so, and um, I believe that she, the author of these Radiohead memes and tweets, is a. Argentinian, a young Argentinian woman, mm-hmm. um, and so I just like enjoy. They're huge. There. Yeah. Oh, in Argentina, yeah, in Argentina specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Um, you know, I'm judging off of one small picture, but I it just always makes me happy how many young Radiohead fans are yeah. out there. We've talked about them being an old man band at mm-hmm. this point, but man, spending time on the Radiohead subreddit. I've interacted with a few people that are like, I'm 16. Radio that's yeah. my favorite band. So. Yeah. Hail to the Thief is my favorite album. Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> hot take. Hail to the Thief is the only album made after I was born. <laughs> um, or whatever. I don't know. That doesn't work out. <laughs> you, listeners, you get what I'm trying to do. Um, uh, so she did this uh, thread that is so funny to me where it's, uh, what is the name of the thread? It's uh, what your favorite Radiohead album says about you. Derogatory. A thread. <laughs> and for. Uh, I've, I've heard this. Yeah. And for In Rainbows, it's uh, In Rainbows. You have sex regularly. Get off of Radiohead community. You aren't mentally stable, but instead of therapy, you take unprescribed medication or would like to.
1: Probably haven't heard any other Radiohead album. I think that's such a good call because I do think a lot of people say I like Radiohead because of this song. And this is not that it's not a representation of Radiohead, but CeeLo Green of um, Gnarls uh, Barkley yes. uh, did a cover, a very famous cover of this in, oh, okay. I want to say, 2009 or so. Okay, And Troubled Individual sounds like not a great guy. We all make mistakes, but had a particularly bad one. Um, Yeah, yeah. But I do think that this song, his cover is. Five allegations. Exactly. Thank you. His cover is exceptionally cool. He's an exceptionally musically talented individual. Sure. Really, really cool. But it did propel as if Radiohead needed help propelling into the consciousness. No. But as we've talked about, they straddle this interesting line of being underground yet very mainstream. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was somebody I would say would be maybe more mainstream. Sort of hip hop vein maybe a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. D- yeah soul. Y- yes, thank soul you. And, and so I, I think say. that helped and I don't know if this song is in any movie soundtracks or anything. but It is.
0: It actually, when I think of this song, um, I think of it's the end credits of the movie Choke.
1: Oh, the Chuck Palahniuk book? Yeah, the yeah. Chuck Palahniuk book and, uh, him, and
0: adapted, written and directed by uh, Clark Gregg. Okay. And it stars Sam Rockwell and yep. I never can remember this actress's name. And I'm sorry to refer to her by her looks, but she's the very cute lady from Boardwalk Empire and Train Spot. Kelly McDonald. Okay. Oh oh, oh. yes. Be the, still my heart. Yes, Love the very vaporific McDon- no I- Irish woman. <laughs> yeah. Um f- yes, no country for old men. Yeah. Great like character actress too. Like yeah. the Jill- voice of
1: the uh the mother and brave or the daughter and brave, rather. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And uh, so, you know, spoiler alert for Choke, if you haven't seen it, but the end credits are her and Sam Rockwell making out for the entirety of this song. Wow. Um, So I kind of picture them making out whenever I hear it, even though I loved the song before. It also was kind of one of those moves that I'm not crazy about in a movie. Similarly to Twilight and the use of Mm -hmm. um, 15 Step, where it's just like, I don't see how this song really ties into what you're doing. It's just very popular at the moment this movie's coming out. So you're just jamming it in. (sighs) Yeah. Reckoner didn't really tie into the themes or Mm -hmm. uh, events of the movie choke at all. But in any case, it's used sexually in that movie and in rainbows, in addition to being one of the uh, less Paranoid sounding Radiohead yeah. albums is, I would say, also one of the sexier sounding Radiohead songs. listened to according to Ingameos Gabos by people who have sex. Zach, your thoughts?
1: Well, uh, I think that that's a decent call, and I kind of gave my thoughts by saying that, like, I think uh, maybe not full fans of the band might think that they're Radiohead fans because of this song. And it's not that this song isn't representative of Radiohead. I think it's representative of only one aspect, and it's an aspect I really Mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. There is a key change in it. The outro is something that they added uh, much, much later. Um, So, yeah, I really, really love that song. I love its placement in the album. I love watching them. It's play another Scotch beautiful Mist. one. Yes. I think you could
0: song call this song pretty. Yeah, it, not a it, lot of dissonance.
1: Yeah, it did have a different tempo and and uh, style the way they originally played it. Uh, may have said that twice. I apologize if so. I just wanted to say real quickly on Clark Gregg. So you mentioned he was the director of Choke. Mm-hmm. He uh, listeners, uh, though, you might remember him a bit more uh, from the first Avengers film in 2012. He's like yeah, one of the agents Shield. Of Shields. Yeah, very, very kind of uh, looks like you know your friend's dad. Very nice, trustworthy guy. Did you know that he also wrote the film What Lies Beneath? I do
0: because no. at your uh... did you
1: rewatch it? Yeah, we've yet to talk about it. I texted
0: it. you a video of me and Nicole watching it. Walker, I, you I watched sick. and listened to... Oh, I sent you a Marco Polo. I just of, remember you saying I'm going to watch it. No, I sent you the opening credits and you wrote back, What Lies Beneath. Oh,
1: yeah. Did you enjoy it, though? A lot. It's so, really fun. I love Harrison as a bad guy. Me And I think too. that movie is very forward-thinking in its portrayal of the way he doubts. It feels ahead of its time for a year 2000 movie. Yeah. He's constantly telling her you're crazy. He's 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 gaslighting her. Yeah anyways yeah no it is great, great underrated film listeners men not listening
0: to women is such a tried and true staple of the horror genre yeah um in fact I think I finally I mean Rose some- babies. rosemary's babies rosemary's baby out. and I watched something recently that it was like oh this kind of flips it a little bit anyway i won't waste Mm -hmm. more time but i it was something where it's like i either was like oh it's cool that the guy believes her right away that what's happening is happening or it was the opposite where
1: drag me to hell plays on that really nicely justin long believes her the entire like right almost right away yeah um the conjuring is one too where the husband Mm -hmm. but believes
0: yeah (laughs) the mom of what's happening yeah um no i really enjoyed what lies beneath i do think As Zemeckis does, there were points where it's he's too excited about the effects that are at his fingers tips. Really, but I think I, it really at, works at other well. Other points, it's the, where they're having sex and yeah. she's possessed, or where she's coming on to him super yes. aggressively and she's possessed by his mistress. I love and that. her face changes is a creepy moment. That right. looked really cool. Because
1: it's playing into the uncanniness of what that technology still is to this day, yeah. which is Uncanny Valley. Is it that final shot in the water that bothers you when she becomes... A little bit. Oh, okay. But, but I really like that. Was, the movie was really So fun. effective.
0: I will say, uh, th- myself and my girlfriend, as we watched it, we did have a lot of laughs at uh, the idea of Harrison Ford being a geneticist. <laughs> A scientist of genetics. Um, Not because he's not doing a good job, but just, it's just funny sometimes what we cast actors. Well, he,
1: uh, see, I would push back on that a little bit just because he is a professor who, you know, just as Stanford or Harvard or whatever has a medical branch that does carry out studies and eventually integrate into medicine. I do buy him as a college professor, probably because he was an archaeologist in a very famous film series but i yeah. I don't know, I think and and he's struggling with the fact that his father may have helped him get his foot in the door, yeah, I don't know it, it, I you know. look it's yeah. uh,
0: it did not stretch like credulity for me, yeah. where I can't suspend my disbelief and enjoy the movie. I will just say I had no problem buying him as an asshole and a bad guy, yes, and a little bit Claire. Of, look i have I have personally known some very good looking scientists, yeah. But I'm a little bit like, yeah, I think maybe what was played into it for me is Harrison Ford's famous lack of giving a fuck too about movies that he's in. Uh You know, he's like known for like not taking it very seriously, which is a refreshing attitude in some ways. And in some ways I'm like, this man did no even cursory Actor research about the thing that he's pretending to do here. That's like to me, it felt like, What am I, a scientist? All
1: right. That's a little sad to Harrison because, as is my habit, I did go deep down the IMDb rabbit hole of trivia and he did prep for this movie, uh, which was uncharacteristic. I'm not trying to just push, I mean, of no, course, no, you're interesting, but I, I, he did. Because this is a
0: Radiohead podcast. We've got to talk about Robert Zemeckis' 2000 Thriller, What Lies who Beneath. Who is
1: the star though of that film? Uh, but Michelle Pfeiffer, who we have talked about at That's length true. on this podcast. Uh, this watching, is episode
0: two of our Pfeiffer Appreciation Podcast.
1: Well, watching Batman Forever, and which we did talk a lot about, you know, and and, and I believe we Batman Returns. We did um, maintain respect. Uh, All that to say, I went on a leading lady kick um, for her, and I'm on Julia Roberts right now. Okay. Um, And I just, her acting is so brilliant in that movie. And I think his is too, because it's two actors, you know, he's much older than her, but like who've been around a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's all in the subtlety of like being a, uh, it's both their second go around. And I can't recommend it enough. Very, very underrated film that I just adore. Enjoyed it a lot myself. Well, folks, that's been in
0: rainbows. What well, this lies podcast beneath is a house of cards. Rainbows do. What, <laughs> what lies beneath the rainbow?
1: Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about how Radiohead's getting a little sexy on this album. You know? <laughs> I
1: really distracted us. We could cut all that.
0: <laughs> why? I don't know. This is what the podcast is. This is why we take two episodes yep. to talk about this album. Absolutely. Uh the next song is track eight, and this is a tight album, forty three minutes. So we're we're getting closer to the end of this one than we are the beginning. Zach, are you sad about that? No. Okay, great. This is House of Cards. I talked about the way things sound on this album. Mm-hmm. Listen to this guitar tone.
1: Do you know the famous trivia of what Johnny's doing and as far as what he's playing his guitar with on this song? No, but please tell me because the way the strum
0: is so unique and the pull, what I hear to be the strum up of the high strings and the strumming down of Mm -hmm. the low strings is really unusual sounding to me, even though this sounds deceptively, this sounds like it's Mm -hmm. simple, but it's probably not. So
1: what's going on here? Well, I just know that he's using a coin on his guitar strings to achieve that sort of ominous drone. Now, I've never not never been able to. I don't know if I've researched enough to find out how he's achieving that cleanly. That sounds too organized rhythmically to be Tom. No disrespect, Tom. Do you know what I'm saying, though, Mm -hmm, a little bit? mm -hmm. It sounds very Gilmorean. David Mm -hmm. Gilmore, who has one of the cleanest sense of rhythm, I think, of any electric guitar player to ever grace our sweet ears. Well,
0: the sound on the strings is very unusual, and his tone is really, really bassy, and Mm -hmm. I think that this is... One of the finest rhythm guitar parts on this album. Mm -hmm. Now, this song for me is a grower. Mm -hmm. I've always liked it. I'm going to throw out there, and you can correct me, I've always liked it more than you like it. Mm -hmm. But it hasn't been my favorite over the years. It's now one that I love as much as anything. Really? Okay. I think this song is gorgeous. And I think that I like it for no other reason than no other Radiohead song that I can think of has this rhythm. It's re- it's Radiohead. This is Radiohead oh, doing a reggae rhythm. Okay,
1: Bra! D- do I hear? I'm not sure if I hear that
0: really. Ding. I mean, just to me, just that upstroke, yeah, on the guitar and the drums.
1: Well, I think it's I a little bit of like to...
0: a like dub reggae rhythm. Yeah by way of Radiohead.
1: I compared it to Gilmore because of the, the strumming in uh, Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. Uh-huh. Ja, da, 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 da. Yeah. I do know too that Johnny is playing a Gibson on this song and that song, Another Brick in the Wall, is the only Pink Floyd song where David Gilmore played a Gibson instead of a Strat. So in terms of tone, I don't think that's contriving. And we've talked about possible similar. I mean, David Gilmore is, is on my Mount Rushmore 47 Men and Women I have to have more than uh, four spots on my (laughs) no I'd say he's in my top five um, which is you know uh, but anyways that that is to say I I agree with the uniqueness of it in the catalog I certainly don't dislike it Um, there's parts I love of it a couple seconds back when he said fall on the table I really like what Tom's doing vocally um, I remember being very disappointed when this was the third single, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I know the music video was really inventive in terms of what it was doing with technology. No cameras. Right, yeah, which is really cool. Um, you know, yeah, I struggle to say I dislike any song on this album. I don't struggle to. I will proudly and affirm and firmly state there's not a single song I dislike. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this would not be near the top. Mm-hmm. I think that the two songs that I don't love... Weird Fish and Arpeggi that we've listened to so far. Mm-hmm. They have some sort of similar through line in that. I think I love what you said that there's no other Radiohead songs that sound like it. There's no other Radiohead song that sounds like dollars and cents, you know, either. Mm-hmm. This, th- these are much better songs, in my opinion, but I don't always know that those are the songs I love by them. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I just, um,
0: I don't know what, to it's just really nice sounding i find this yeah. song to be like you could put this on at a party this is this mm. is the opposite of, of <laughs> me putting <laughs> cl- climbing up the walls on, yeah uh, i mean and hey he even references a key party in the song that's right yeah. throw your keys in the bowl yeah um, also, I would maybe say that this is the one song that does have a chorus, Zach, and I
1: think we're hearing it now. I think "Reckoner" also has a chorus now in retrospect. Does it? I I don't know about that. "Reckoner." Yeah, but maybe that's not. Star- how he starts the verse. I'm gonna have to thumb through Brad's book. Brad might say I would say All this denial, two.
0: denial stanza, are the chorus. Yeah, and um, maybe that's why you don't. Maybe that's why you don't like it so much. Is you're like chorus. <laughs> Uh, amateur hour I'm pretty
1: certain though that that Bloody pop grew uh, Well I mean I should have come prepared but maybe for our just two episode I'm going to have to thumb through uh Brad's table that he provides demon showing this but I uh, there's a possibility Send him
0: Another email <laughs> <laughs> Yeah uh be like prove to me that no songs on in rainbows have a chorus uh, it, <laughs> he boasts <you> know, me <laughs> You know what it is it's like that asshole Stephen Crowder that right-wing fascist jerk off who yeah. does the change my mind stuff yeah yeah but it's me at a card table right on a college campus <laughs> and I have a poster board that says, forget about House of it. Cards <laughs> has a chorus change my mind.
1: <laughs>
0: and, I'm at, and I'm at the university that Brad teaches at just waiting for him to
1: walk by. Yeah, And it's all an elaborate test of do young people listen to Radiohead? <laughs> yeah, they're like House of Cards? What is... There's no context provided
0: whatsoever. And it's confusing because I'm at a card table yeah. and I'm building a house of cards. That's
1: why I said your side just says forget about it. <laughs> um, no, I, I uh, don't have too much. I just wanted to say we we have already gone through the albums, but Morning Bell from Kid A and, and a rendition of it from Amnesiac. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Morning Bell, the lyrics to that song and Wolf at the Door. Mm. And then this song, House of Cards, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we have sort of actually agreed with each other that they represent maybe possibly an abusive relationship or someone uh, chasing after somebody who is in a relationship. The latter with House of Cards. Yeah. Is what you say. I mean, it's, he's,
0: he's watching somebody from like a slightly obscured vantage point i think it's like you've had chemistry with with this person mm-hmm. feelings have maybe not been overtly expressed but it's kind of this is like a jim and pam yeah and he's watching roy and just being like all right kind of ditch the asshole yeah 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 come come hang out with me well we and we can abuse dwight together <laughs>
1: for some reason i think of those songs though as like this trifecta even though wolf at the door seems very obviously as obvious as where you can get about an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And then to kind of blend the two, I think morning bell, uh, seems like maybe a relationship falling apart that does have some sort of abusive elements. I sure. think of these, you know, as a, as a sort of a, a threesome, if you will. Mm-hmm. And they're all so different tonally and melodically. I would say this one just ranks at the bottom. It goes morning bell, wolf at the door, this one.
0: Okay, fair enough. But I like that about the radio head, like, bad relationship triangle yeah and i would say it's if you like were in ra- arc <laughs> if you were to make them a story yeah i think it would be wolf at the door mm. house of cards and then morning bell
1: i'd go chronologically i'd go morning bell wolf wolf at the door house of cards
0: Yeah, maybe that is true. I mean, House of Cards definitely is like there's a glimmer of hope to House of Cards. I picture House of Cards. But it's also denial, denial. So it's like this person that he's pining after is not ready to leave the situation that they're in.
1: Okay. Uh, I was going to say House of Cards maybe is the victim of the abuse perpetrated Wolf at the Door. Uh, Could be either gender, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. let's say it's a woman. Um And now has sort of maybe come out of that and is maybe pining for affection from the wrong person. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a story narrative I've applied to it. Oh, I like that a lot.
0: <laughs> I like that because that's more radio heady.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit more of optimism to it potentially, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. But again, like, I mean, I do think it's interesting discussing this album, how much you, you brought up fatherhood. I think that it's like. <laughs> I don't know if the dad is. But I, I'm almost like, I wonder if Tom, at this point in his life, is getting song ideas from, like, parents that he's interacting with on play dates right. and stuff like that. Yeah. It does. It seems like. Ed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Ed's like, is, but is this about me?
1: You know, I'm sorry. We're I'm so sorry, on Walker. it, Tom. Cute photo of Tom, Ed, and their two little ones, though. I know each of them have more than one child, but, like, when they're whichever kid it is is that maybe probably between age two and three no 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 it's after that but they're on like no, a, a you said game. whatever oh, kid it is god i was god, dumb just it but yeah it's just adorable uh <laughs> that's that <laughs> is adorable i <laughs> we take yeah. the kids to the park and shit
0: it's just he's tackling some more like you know mm-hmm. suburban themes here no i don't want to hang out with you yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're boring yeah girl. that guy never shuts up about <laughs> His boring-ass job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this song is about not wanting to hang out with the neighbors, (laughs) basically. All right, right, what do we got next, next, Walker? This is one of the first songs recorded for the album, a song called Jigsaw Falling Into Place that I think we will let this intro play a little bit Mm because it starts in a very cool way. Now, the, the keeping time on the hi-hat really complements the fast finger picking yeah. of this guitar
1: part. Very, very fast. And what do we got, Colin? Where's Colin Walker? Well, there he is. He didn't forget about you. Oh, Zach. man, he's good. The intro to this, is just for our chord heads out there, all he's doing is he's just starting on a A minor. It's drop D. It's a very unconventional tuning. Sorry, I just had to let that Tom moment breathe. But he's starting on an A minor, and he just goes down to a G-sharp minor, essentially. So very, very cool kind of chromatic uh, picking.
0: Now, this is what I was talking about when I said, to me, this album does maintain the live sound ethic Mm -hmm. of Hail to the Thief. I just think it's just the songs are just more fully realized and fleshed out Mm -hmm. and edited and, you you know, noted. It just... The songs are are have had a longer shelf yeah. life for them to get them where they need to be. Yeah, uh, maybe it's just maybe it's just the, the, they're in a more inspired place.
1: Totally. Um, I, just to go back, it's a B minor. I just remember that it starts on. Um, but this doesn't sound super overdubby. This sounds no. like
0: Radiohead playing a song.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's uh, speaking of Wolf at the Door. Uh, it's kind of in that talky. You know, uh-huh. like, Tom's sure. vocals do really open up in this song. Yeah, but you're right; it's but kind it's of atonal. The, yeah, and it's it's the guitar part is listeners is just so complicated and amazing.
0: Beautiful oh, Phil so from, good! Who from the eponymous Phil? Yeah, an um, eponymous Phil from Phil.
1: This this tuning, listeners, is D uh, A D F sharp. B E, And you could also, that was from six to one. You could also make your one a D if you wanted to as well. Um, But the song stays in B minor almost the entire time. Here's where it starts to build. Those backing vocals are so cool. Which it's Johnny on the... uh, When he hits that, the beat goes round and round. Well, this is my favorite part, is Let It Out. Can we turn it up a
0: little bit? Yeah, of course. Try not to sing along to this in your car, listeners.
1: That's a great overdub.
0: Can I tell you something, Walker? Tom's harmonizing. He's doing a low
1: harmony. Yeah. I don't know if I ever noticed that. Can I tell you something? Please. This is my favorite Radiohead song ever.
0: I'm sitting in stunned Reverend Silence listeners. Why are you stunned? No, I'm not. I knew that you really, really loved this song. Um, Man, I can't argue with it. I mean, I I don't know if it's my favorite Radiohead song, but this is as good as it gets. I mean, they are firing on all cylinders here. Exactly. They sound like a band. It's a really nice combo to me of their... More stripped down sound mm-hmm. with their full band sound, with a rock sound, with a weird sound. Like it's mm-hmm. this is this is a very nice culmination of what Radiohead does.
1: Yeah, and that's why I struggle between this you and could they're there. They're put
0: this on any of their albums post. Yeah, uh, bends too. I think.
1: Post like kid I don't. A. For me, uh, it. It could be on Kid A for me though. If it was on In Rainbows,
0: you would be like, "Whoa, this is." This is a crazy... I mean, on, I'm sorry. Yeah. If it was on OK Computer, yes. I, I agree. It would stand out as complex. Yeah. But I guess I just mean this to me sounds like enough different versions of what Radiohead does yeah. that it would not be totally out of place on any of their albums.
1: That's, and that's why I think it's my favorite. It, it's so hard between this and there. there. Um, they are probably the two songs in the fast pace that I go back to the most, if not just in, in overall that I go to the most. Um, But I think why they're there, why it's a tug of war is because they're there. You get what you said is your favorite Johnny Greenwood lead line since Paranoid Android. And I agree with that. It's so mm-hmm. funny. I listened to our episode of, of uh, Hail of the Thief. And mm-hmm. I, just because I know me and you so well, <laughs> I, uh, I start talking and then you say, I don't know who, but like I was going to say that. <laughs> it's my favorite lead line since Paranoid Android. And um, it's just... What
0: the I, listeners don't know is Zach told me he was going to say that <laughs> and I said oh yeah you should and then I humbled him by saying it before he could. Uh, no but I mean I feel It was that, like that like like, I think you should leave sketch where the one actor says all the other <laughs> actors lines yeah. super fast before they could say them.
1: No no I just think that the it's yeah, the reason I bring that up is because um that's sometimes why I would maybe put there there above it right mm-hmm. and but I think what you just said, though, before that, in that it's like the full band sound and and the culmination of everything they can do. I hear every single member, yes, even Ed, mm-hmm. but big time Ed um, on that. And I, I uh, Colin's bass playing. Listeners, do yourself a favor, listen in with over there headphones. Um, Tom's acoustic guitar playing, because where I hear Johnny Greenwood big time is in the string arrangements, mm-hmm. and that's why maybe I would be like, oh, is it that or there there? Because I don't hit the get the wailing Johnny Greenwood, but. It it like we were just saying it's like it's everybody at all cylinders. That's what you said. Everyone mm-hmm. on full cylinders, and like they're there. Phil is just keeping you from the very from the get go with that tap of the hi hat. So it is just this culmination of every single member of Radiohead at their finest, to the extent where it's Tom doing a low bassy sound with his voice, mm-hmm. which is not what you think of with Tom York. But by the end of that song, where are you? You're at Tom wailing, you know, in a way only he can do. It's just it's so good and i love the lyrics i love the journey it takes you on there is no chorus so structurally we got that radiohead thing is i could go on and on and on it's
0: a it's an amazing song it's like we another one that's weirdly a toe tapper even though it's a very odd song um it's also fitting in with the kind of more down to earth themes mm-hmm. or the down to earth or or you know ordinary personal less political themes of the last few albums, this song is basically a manifestation of the feeling of getting drunk to escape reality, mm-hmm. but that point where the night's starting to turn mm. you know mm-hmm. things are things are not and yet jigsaw falling into place is such a evocative image. I think it's kind of for me, it's kind of like oh good i finally relaxed i finally got there i worked all week for this but then there's this ominous note of like yeah but shit's about to get weird and not in a good way (laughs) yeah that's so interesting like i i just the walls are bending shape this place is on a mission yeah that's describing something that could be seen as very um like social and pot impo- like mm-hmm. you know the the sound of the chatter in mm-hmm. the bar but yeah it doesn't sound very nice the way he's describing it there mm-hmm. and i i don't know i just i like it i like the lyrical content of the song and it sounds so cool when it opens up in a mm-hmm. that's also like not a very that's not a particularly like a big open i guess no i guess we found a lot of songs but it's a, it's a very, um, it's very jangly. The mm-hmm. guitar part is like very jangly. Yeah. And you can really hear the acoustic. Guitar. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a little more of that Led Zeppelin force. Really, that we've talked about.
1: really, really hard too. <laughs> I believe it.
0: In fact, that's why I'm not even going to try to learn it. Anything else you want to say about that song?
1: No, no. I think disclosing that it, I think it might be my favorite,
0: uh, was enough. Well, oh, I love that. Um, and at some point we're gonna have to come back yeah. and rank our top ten Radiohead songs. Yeah, and would that one be in it for me? I don't know, but I, I, wow. I, but I, I don't know. Not like as in it definitely wouldn't. It's, it's. I'm saying it would be in consideration. But think about truly, we all have our favorites. Mm-hmm. But think about trying to think of your ten favorite Radiohead songs. How much? stuff would be in consideration i think it's yeah. going to be a big challenge yeah even more than ranking the albums would be. right but listeners we don't shy away from challenges
1: no like and i i mean i'm so excited i can't speak for the listeners but to hear that like when we were talking about pyramid song for instance i'm mm-hmm. not gonna say where if that would or would not be in there i can firmly speak for both of us and say it's really really risen in our esteem mm-hmm. and that wouldn't have been the case prior to starting this project at least for me yeah. so i think it's gonna be a really really fun adventure yeah absolutely um okay this is the closing track of in
0: Rainbows, this is a song called Videotape.
1: I was I was kinda hoping you were gonna play another trick on me. Oh, I
0: should have. We can do it
1: again. <laughs> then I'd have to feign surprise though.
0: Now Zach, I picked out a live version of this mm-hmm. based off of our conversation with Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one he noted as being particularly disappointed yeah. in the album version as a person who had seen Radiohead live many times yeah. and had heard them working out this song yeah. this song is I love Colin I, I, right there one of the best parts of the song for me maybe we would just rewind that a little bit so as you can hear listeners just a piano just a vocal but then just very subtle addition of the bass guitar when I
1: And it really it nice. warns us of what's to come way later in the song of the. Ooh, mm-hmm. I feel like Tom, being the musical genius that he is, this is where I feel like sometimes Tom's writing on his subconscious and just he gets music at like a Paul McCartney level. Mm-hmm. Maybe third time I've mentioned that man, um, where it's just his his senses are music, mm-hmm. and I know he can paint and do all kinds of other awesome shit, but like. I do, I don't believe this, like as a rule. I think some people have the potential, maybe all of us do, but to unlock where it's like music is like this other, it is another language, but I, I'm gonna yeah, let yeah. you take over from here, but I don't know. Well,
0: <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to say about the, so I don't know if it's super connected to what you were saying, but just this is one that Sean was talking yeah, yeah. about really not appreciating how, well, I don't wanna put words in his mouth, but he liked, the way they were playing yes. it live a lot better than the way it came out on the album. And he referred to it being much more rockin' and kind of open yeah. and experimental sounding live. very interesting to hear. So I like was looking at a lot of different live versions and I, I honestly was mostly finding one, finding ones that sounded pretty close to the album. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I need to go back and find how they were playing it before oh, yeah. their Bonnaroo 2006 set. Which is a legendary set. It's considered one of the best sets yeah. that Radiohead ever played. Um, I got what he was talking about, the way they played videotape yeah. live there. I don't want to play it on this episode, yeah. but when we discuss disc two. Yeah. Um, I get it. I get it. it they, it's different. It's really cool. They really open it up. Yeah. I still think that this is a perfect way to close this album, mm-hmm. and I
1: love the studio version of this song. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Videotape? Uh, it's interesting. It's, it's a song that I know it's... Man, it's so good. Uh, I kind of associate this song with like a really dark period in my life mm-hmm. and I think that's okay because I think music transcends that as we've talked about throughout this show and all that and, and not anything in particular you know I've been fortunate listeners not to have any you know low like my low points if I'm still here and all that but It's more a feeling, kind of like Jesse was talking about with "Hail of the Thief, maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, oh, the time I fell down and skinned my knee, I was listening to videotape. It's more just a a vibe that might not be super pleasant. I think that might be the point of the song. It's not a super happy song. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would slot it in as the closer if sequencing was up to me. I don't know that it works anywhere else. So Mm -hmm. I will just leave it as I think it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song by a brilliant, great band off of an amazing album. I think if I could just hint, I would say that maybe this might be one I would consider uh, swapping out for some one of the songs that is on disc too. And I do have a particular song in mind and I, I bet you can guess what it is, but we'll keep that to each other or to ourselves.
0: Honestly, no. <laughs> All right. I, I'm excited to hear.
1: So um, I love it. It's just, it's not, I'm not as enthusiastic maybe about it. Fair enough. I mean, I definitely agree with you
0: that I don't know where it fits other than the closer. Yes, yeah. Um, and, you know, it is a dark song or at least a heavy song. It's, it's like the thoughts of a dying man. Yeah. Tom doesn't talk a ton about what his lyrics mean, but this one he has mm-hmm. said that that's like what he was thinking. Yeah. When, he wrote when it. I'm at the pearly gates. And- yeah. A man yep. dying of cancer and, mm-hmm. and reflecting on what did it all mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what's
1: happening here is really cool. And a really cool way to close the album though, is that, yeah, uh, really Warren cool. Lane has a really amazing, incredible video talking about what is the time signature of this song. Sure. Because really, what, really cool. what
0: happens is, is there's a, a, a kick drum and a snare sound mm-hmm. that gets stretched out and out and out yeah. over the course of the song until it's very, very mm-hmm. odd and almost unrecognizable. And I just also want to say that this song is another one where Radiohead is playing the same melody part the Mm -hmm. entire time and then completely changes the tone of it by Mm -hmm. the bass note that Mm -hmm. is playing. So this is the most repetitive song on the album for Mm -hmm. sure. Maybe one of the most repetitive Radiohead Mm -hmm. songs, period, in terms of, to me, it sounds like Tom is playing three chords Mm -hmm. the entire time. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So one, one, two, three, one, one, two, three. That repeats the whole time, but I'm gonna see if I can find where he first brings in the low note on Mm -hmm. the piano. And it really It alters the chord. Alters the the chord and it's so cool. So let me see. I think it might be right after this. Mm -hmm. Right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's never changed. Mm What he's playing with his right hand, and then those low notes just give it a. I mean, I am not ashamed to say
1: I almost cried listening mm-hmm. to this song oh, while yeah.
0: washing dishes today. It's an
1: incredibly sad sounding song. Well, you shouldn't be, because um, that's what I was trying to get at is that, like, the, like I, I think that's it. happened to me a couple times, you know? Yeah. like I mean, it's definitely kind of in that Elliot Smith vein, and I don't do this with all of Elliot's songs. Some, some of the Elliot's songs make me profoundly happy especially a, a couple of tunes off figure eight yeah um and not in an ironic way in a literal yeah, way yeah. but this song i do think it's a little bit of a go-to in those few periods when i felt particularly low yeah. to kind of wallow and and that's the great thing about music is it does have this circular motion a little bit where i can like Plot a course almost mm-hmm. with my mood of like okay i 'm going to go to videotape i 'm going to go to whatever you know, and mm-hmm. but I know that after that you know and and i, I don 't think about it this way literally, but I can just kind of reflecting back on maybe certain modes of music that i 've gone in and and yeah, this one's hard to pull out. I do just want to say in the vocal work of the uh, the way he does the uh, with it, like in that low hum, mm-hmm. I apologize, listeners, that was probably very unpleasant, um, is is brilliant. It's a masterpiece in, sure. in that moment. And the song is a masterpiece as well. So there are parts of it I love. I would say a little bit, maybe like House of Cards and Weird Fishes. Uh, uh, by the way, I place it squarely above all of those songs. Mm-hmm. But where I just think he's working vocally and this just next gear. Yes, even then on some of the tracks off of Hill of the Thief and... Uh, kid a and and amnesiac so i do think that this album and we'll talk about that maybe more next episode because i want to kind of taper down here but i i think there are vocal moments and 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 i love it too as a leftover of jigsaw which as we just talked about is in that lower register so really really cool stuff going on
0: for sure uh i mean i think that it sounds like you have a pretty like contextualized appreciation of it Mm -hmm. i can appreciate it not being your favorite radiohead song to put on or anything like that I really like it as the closer because I think it's a nice contrast to the rest of the album that Mm -hmm. although not free of kind of more dark and somber moments is a little more, uh, as I, as you said, bright, optimistic life and for life affirming present, a little more connected to the world around you than some of their other music has Mm -hmm. ending on this song that is like the, uh, Possibly regret tinged thoughts of a dying man is mm-hmm. uh, just like a nice, nice juxtaposition of that. To me, it kind of is an inverse of Kid A, mm-hmm. which has been this scary, alienating, lonely, yeah. you know, anxiety ridden journey. And then it ends with the organ and harp mm-hmm. and very nice sounds of motion picture soundtrack, Yeah. This is kind of the reverse of that, yeah. And and I I love when Radiohead gets sad. It's not something that I roll my eyes at in general, but it feels particularly earned on this album to me. Mm-hmm. For them to go out on that note,
1: yeah. No, I yeah, man, no notes. I just, I mean, it's such a because uh, I think the album could have ended with Jigsaw. It still needs to be ten tracks long, mm-hmm. but I really like the extension um, of of where it goes. And I don't know, we'll we'll have to see. Maybe this won't be on my list of what to trade. I have a hard time doing that. I'm, I I have not totally worked out like the new sequencing of what we're going to talk about next week, but you're kind of making me love it a little bit more now that I'm listening to you. So, we'll just have to see.
0: Well, that's I love that. Yeah. Uh I have to say I'm really excited to talk about mm-hmm. what you would potentially change yeah. and even if not change just to talk about things that were left off this album. Yeah. Other versions and stuff they were working with at this time. Um, Disc 2, This I don't think it's a spoiler to say, has really great songs. The yeah. band is just in a creative pocket at this time. Yeah. They're killing it. So even the stuff they left off is great, in my opinion. I would not change a thing about this album. Really? Okay. I like Kid A. I think it's perfectly sequenced. Every song sounds great. Every song snugs up against the song it's in front of or behind perfectly. I think this is a perfect album. I think it's a perfect album up there with like Abbey road. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's in my number one spot Mm -hmm. or my number two spot. And if it's in my number two spot, it's because of how I feel on that particular day. Mm -hmm. I, I wondered if the amount that we have listened to their other stuff and how much other stuff has grown on me mm-hmm. would knock this one down in my esteem at all, just comparatively. Mm-hmm. But it's still just, and, and it's impossible to separate it from the time mm-hmm. that I got into it, but it makes me feel really good mm-hmm. to listen to this album. And it's uh, mm-hmm. now, will they top it from here? Mm-hmm. We st- we still have more opportunities for Radiohead to, mm-hmm blow my mind yeah but um god damn do i love this record and i really loved mm-hmm. listening to it so closely with you yeah and in preparation it. for this podcast yeah what are your final takeaways about in rainbows and where it kind of stands for you don't have to rank it but no
1: no worries yeah uh, i mean i th- i think that uh what is undeniable in radiohead context is i do think that this is a magnum opus mm. and and i think that you can have several right like i think um maybe Raging Bull and Goodfellas or something mm-hmm. like that. A Raging Bull at Casino depending on who you ask or, mm-hmm. or something you know, a director or creator that has had these um these these points of uh of creativity and and collaboration that are just you could kind of toss up which one but like generally folks agree and I think that's kind of how I feel about uh in Rainbows is like maybe I could rearrange some of the B-sides where I want this or that, you know, but it doesn't really matter. I think that this is just the uh, the band at a point in their creativity and co coalescing, um, and I think like with Colin, like we talked about how like maybe it was the way he was mixed in "Hail of the Thief." It's not necessarily his fault, but like just Colin is is just I think at his best in this album, mm-hmm. right? And one would think that like oh well, if there's albums after this, like they they only could have they couldn't have gotten any worse, and maybe they they hadn't, you know, we'll discover. But I do think even if somebody is is brilliant at their craft and profinci- proficient, there might be a point where you peak. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I'm not saying that's my opinion, but I just think that this is almost undeniably their magnum opus. I don't know actually by definition if one could have more than one, but I, I think that's sort of what where it stands for me. And I think talking about album ranking, I do think that's something we should do as an episode for fun um might be a fun guest episode i don't know but i've kind of realized like on the way up here and as you were talking that i don't really know if i could rank the albums of radiohead because i feel like they're it's like trying to rank like my mood Mm -hmm. right and obviously a bad mood is not preferable to a good mood but when i'm talking about a good mood you know is it better to be laughing with friends or to be Having a uniquely romantic moment with your spouse or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is better? Well, why even do that? Right. Because if you rank a moment with your significant other, then you're demeaning the importance of friendship. Sure. You know, why yeah, not yeah, just yeah. have them be equal? <coughs> and and that's not to say that Pablo Honey is a bad mood, but I, I'm talking about like maybe the bends through this point, you know. And 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 it kind of just depends on what mood I'm in, not what season of life, yeah. not what level of maturity. And I think that there are a few bands that really can kind of uh that I could say that about. So that's kind of where I would close. I feel the same way, dude. I mean, this is one of the only bands
0: where when I get to my top 4 yeah. favorite albums, it um, it feels like a sin to rank any of them lower than number 1. Yeah, But there can only be one number 1. <laughs> but no, I I really like connect with that and I do think that this period of the band represents Another reinvention and yes, another yes. peak. Yes. And it is, I don't know if you can have more than one magnum opus mm-hmm. either, but I do know that this band has had multiple creative peaks. Mm-hmm. And this is a subtler reinvention, mm-hmm. I think, than OK Com- the bends to OK Computer and mm-hmm. OK Computer to Kid A. But I think that this is the reinvention that they were going for with yeah. Hail to the Thief yes, and is now realized, which mm-hmm. is... We're not doing Kid A again, but just by being so proficient Mm -hmm. at what we do, at our communication with each other Mm -hmm. musically, and by having such a signature sound and knowing exactly the space we work in so well, by the nature of that, without completely reinventing how rock and pop music Mm -hmm. is being done we're making an album that sounds like nobody else Mm -hmm. it's like radiohead is now so good at being radiohead that them in a more relaxed zone is reinvention
1: yes and uh, oh we should have closed with that but i just wanted to say one other thing if you look at like the press material and all that for hill the thief it's a little scary the year was 2003 tom's wearing sort of bono sunglasses, uh-huh. the hairstyles. So one of the members of the band has dyed hair. Mm-hmm. And you think about how much fashion has always been integrated in rock and roll. But in 2003 through 2006, it became this thing that if you were a rock emo band, you had, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to take it all through that. and I don't want to demean it if you even just look at the way Radiohead dressed in In Rainbows relative to Hail to the Thief, they're like, nope, we're we're not going to go that way. We're not, Maybe I'm sure they have stylists or something like that for photo shoots. But it is, they look more stripped down. And I think that they may have even take maybe that wasn't even their idea. Maybe their publicist made them put on clothes and sunglasses. I don't know. I don't really care. Because I just think that even the footage from this and Spin Magazine, you know, the photo shoots, like, they just look like they look. And I think they finally like learn to love themselves Mm -hmm. and that might be why to sean's point as much as we like totally had a great time and cringe a little bit at his objections to this i i almost hear him a little bit on that he when he said i don't even like to hear these songs live Mm -hmm. because it's not that they can't do it or that they were fooling us or their studio trickery but i i really think that these songs are meant to be sort of lived in on the album Mm -hmm. whereas i think kid a and amnesiac were maybe meant to be lived in in multiple dimensions sure or or iterations and i don't think it's anything to do with that tom's voice had gotten worse so the band didn't care any of that kind of stuff so that may be a weird note to go out on but that's kind of my last thought i get it though
0: i mean i don't know if this is I, i think if i were to distill what i was trying to say about how subtle of a reinvention this is i think if i were to put it In a more succinct way, I think this is the first Radiohead album where they make it look easy. Yeah. I know it wasn't easy. I know there is Mm -hmm. an intense amount of craft that went into Mm -hmm. making this look easy. Mm -hmm. But Kid A, it doesn't, you don't feel the pain, it doesn't come Mm -mm. off as try hard but you don't listen to Kid A and go, Mm-mm. yeah, it sounds like they just no. like, got in a room and banged this out, right? Yeah. But In Rainbows kind of has that yeah. feel to me. Especially and on the song the songs the like The has that feel to a, a less successful degree yeah. to me. But this one is like where it's just like, oh, is this what they do? They just get together and crap out a masterpiece right. like this? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. But it just, it feels so effortless. Yeah, it and goes down so smooth. That's why on any given day this, this could be my favorite one. Yeah. Tastes like honey, doesn't it, Zach? <laughs> like Pablo. But not honey. Pablo, honey. Uh, oh, not Pablo. <laughs> honey not
1: like Pablo's honey. No notes. I love it. I you enjoyed the own. hell
0: out of covering this album with you. Yeah. Ditto. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed spending time with us. I hope that we sufficiently have loved Radiohead on mm-hmm. this one for you. Uh like spinning pats, I'm looking in your direction. This is uh First call out, of I saw that you didn't like that I don't like the raindrops 47 times. <laughs> Take it up with our guest on that episode. I don't know. Why am I going out on such a hostile note? We can cut this. No, actually, I can tr- I can reframe this as a positive. Zach, all I wanted when we started this was to gain enough of an audience mm-hmm. that people could both celebrate and deride our mm-hmm. Radiohead takes. Yeah. It's so fun. I have been yelling into my phone Mm -hmm. when I'm listening to a podcast of people that I love, a Mm -hmm. podcast that I love because you're like, these are my podcast friends. How are they getting this so wrong? Right. Right? And I only have done that when I enjoy a podcast enough that I care about the takes of the people making it. Yeah. No, totally. So listeners, if you have pulled your hair out because Walker or Zach- took a crap on your favorite Radiohead song or because we love a song that mm-hmm. you are certain is one of their most trite or stupid yeah. songs and stuck with us, I think that means that you're in the bunker with <laughs> us, and we're really, really happy to have you aboard. Yeah. We're so happy to be back after those few weeks off. Um, thank you for sticking with us during the break and coming back so that we could give you our two-episode coverage of In Rainbows. hmm Tell your friends about this podcast if they're Radiohead curious and make sure that you come back next week because we're going to have even more from this period to cover for you. What about the week after that? After that, we might do something a little different, but we'll be back. All right. All right. We'll be back. We might do something that we have or have never done before, but we'll be back. (laughs) All right. Listeners, with that, Thank you so much. I am Walker Glenn. I'm Zach Glenn. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Idiotalk is a Glenn Brothers production. Get in touch with us at idiotalk.podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at idiotalk.podcast. And thanks for listening to...